I I didn't um, I didn't even prepare any anything. I was just gathering my thoughts like ab- around everything that has been going going through through my head and through uh, you know in these calls you've had with Linda and everything. It's just it's it's amazing. There's so much like this. It's all over. I uh, I I had a call with a guy yesterday. And he asked me, after all these years, or I mean, with whatever ability I have to see things as they truly are, he says, is there anybody out there that you feel comfortable with as far as what they say or do? I said, there's only one guy I know. (laughs) (laughs) And that's you. I said, if, if I had to go to the world court, if I had to go to any place and stand next to somebody, the only one I would want standing next to me is you. Because I, I wow. think you actually yeah. see it. I think you actually see it now. I mean, seeing it, being able to write what you wrote or what you write, um, it means that it's coming from inside and you actually know what it is you're trying to say or accomplish. And unless you know it all the way down, if you don't know it all the way down, you can't write that. Yeah. You have to know exactly what you're you're trying to get across, what your intent is. Yeah. You know, th- that's something that and I don't I don't know how much we want to talk about the details, but this was something that I I've been it's hard to explain, but you probably see what I mean. So, uh, we have a different style um I guess of writing because I've r- written I I checked I I've, I've written like 2000 letters. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, and the the number of officials who have received those is like in the hundreds. So um and there's some back and forth with them and not not all of them are long like 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 the ones that I've shared but but when I write, write those letters it's a pretty amazing process because most of them I basically sit down and I write it, and it's like an hour, and I send it. And sometimes I have to go back and look at these letters. What, like, I don't remember what I wrote. I don't remember the specifics. And like you said in some of your, your, um, your calls, that when you listen back to your recordings, and they're fun to listen to, and I have the same with the letters. I'm like, what? How did I put that so well? <laughs> who, who was that guy? Yeah, like who wrote this? It's um, it's very profound, and there's so many so many other things, you know. Um, also, this whole journey has been pretty amazing because uh, how how can I say it? Like like it's not only that I know this uh, the the reality and i can see it but also many things that have happened in my life like in in my family and stuff they suddenly had new meaning and um it's hard to explain but there there's so many things that I can, they're, they're, it's almost like reasons from the past experiences 
of why I was able to see these things so quickly when that last piece of the puzzle that you uh, put out there um, just clicked into place. And it's it's almost like, I don't, I don't know how to describe, I don't even know what to think about it. I'm like remembering things that were said to me that suddenly have a new meaning. I realize what some people said to me um, intentionally or unintentionally, I don't know. Like years ago, <laughs> some of some of it you mean you mean ago. family members or otherwise family mostly family okay um, mostly my parents and it's almost like <sighs> were they giving some kind of weird clues or what was that or did they? not think that I was listening or not think that I would understand or what, like, and I didn't. But some, somehow, um, in some weird way, I can remember specific discussions that I've had or something that somebody told me uh, like years and years ago, like 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And that specifically have meaning in this context. And it's almost like, uh, I, I don't know, I don't know what else, maybe that's the reason why I was so interested in this topic. Um, and I just, I just went, I just got, you know, immersed <laughs> into it. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Um, but it's I'm, I'm, something that I cannot explain. Are, are you, now, let me ask you something. As far as your family, what, Sorry? I mean, as far oh, as society, yeah. you're, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. What, I, I mean, how would you describe your, your, your childhood or your family? I mean, are, were the, are you, um, do you, does your family or do you have more access to things? Did your, were your parents professionals? Um, yeah, I mean, okay. The reason I ask that is because the, what they were telling you, or what they were saying, or what they were implying, what they were trying to get across to you, they may have been um, privy or privileged to know some things, mm-hmm. um, and but they couldn't really say it out loud. I don't know. Um, yeah, well, you cannot imagine how much I've been thinking about that because uh, they never th- talked about those things um, openly, and I think it's because they people who are in those circles cannot do that. Right, I agree. And um, what I've been struggling is with is um, why did they do that? Did, was that some kind of weird recruiting or were they trying to say something that they couldn't say? See what I mean? How many brothers and sisters do you have? Uh, one each. Okay, so there were three of you. Yeah. Okay, well, there, there were there were six of us. 
but what I'm what I, the reason I'm asking that is, is it possible they're just I mean at this level of of consciousness, let's call it, are they are they filtering even within families? Um, so who so so who let could me, move forward move forward with that information? Yeah. So let me. Um, I can see I, that happen. I, I, I need to. Yeah, I need to be a little bit. I'm still a little bit, maybe not comfortable to, to talk too much. You don't. You don't. You don't have. Because I've been. You don't. You Because I've been. You know. I've. I've been saying. Because I've been. Have. I've been running that server. Um, and sharing the research there. For for some time now, and there's a huge amount of data now in on that server. And what I've said all along, and we've we've had calls there with people um, who who uh, who are on it, because uh, you can you can like connect to a voice channel and you can have a like chat there, uh, or just write stuff um, on the on the chats. Anyways, is it in English? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have a, I have one channel in French and and one in Finnish and one in Swedish. Okay, okay. Uh, so, but. <laughs> but um, but it's mostly in English, um, and um, uh, we can talk about it later. It, it would like I, I I just started posting stuff there mostly because for two reasons. I wanted to have a reference base for myself where I can just quickly go and search what I want to find, and you know all the links and quotes and citations and stuff like that. Um, they are there, or not all, but but the important ones. And then I also started it because I wanted to write like almost like a diary of the journey that what are the right, things that right. I'm looking at. And I'm like, I'm copying it also for my own uh, archives so that it's not only online. I'm just making copies of it because it's almost like a diary, you know, um, uh, but, but um, what I was saying is that I've always said to people there that I'm not going to talk about my m- myself, like who I am or what my background is or what I do, because if this topic is not interesting enough for you, then you're in the wrong place. Right. Like it, it shouldn't matter who's telling you this, because I don't. I'm not looking for followers. Um, it, I, it, you know. It it brings another um, kind of an angle to to all of this, and it also opens the door to ad hominem, you know, people saying that yeah, you know, they immediate, immediately starting to attack the right, the absolutely. So I've never wanted to do that. So that's why I'm a little bit like cautious of saying these things or talking about my family. But I will say this. I haven't talked with them. None of them know what I know. And I don't think they know this stuff this well. I've tested them enough and given opportunities to sort of pick up the thought. They don't know it. They know some of it probably. And I haven't really taken it to the limit because there are many reasons for that. I'm not really that much in touch with them. Um, right. 
anymore um, for various reasons because it hasn't been a very happy family. Um, but well, you're, but you're you're not alone, Bill. You're you're not alone. I don't. I actually don't think most families today um, are actually families as you and I would wish they were. <clears throat> They've been mm-hmm. disintegrated. They've been disintegrated along the the, the decades to the point where yeah. it it really is a horrible situation for most children. Um, I, I had a great childhood. Don't get me wrong, but. My my parents were also subjected to this realm, this Reich, mm-hmm. and I do mean Reich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I I know, and I I can say the same thing. You know, it's amazing stuff. You know, I've done you know all all that stuff, traveling, right. all, all the opportunities given, but uh, it somehow sort of I was. I got disappointed in one way. Um, you know, I can say I did well um, in school, um, and I, you know, I studied a lot. I like that. Um, so, but I got very disappointed at some point because it's almost like the level stopped. People around me just stopped learning more, and everybody started repeating the same shit like parrots right and i i it, it got more and more frustrating to me i'm like how can people who you know you spend first 20 years or whatever trying to learn stuff and then you think you're that's it and then you start fucking watching tv and repeating what they say is that it i i, I didn't i didn't you know subscribe for that that's not why I'm here. Right. And 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 that sort of broke a lot of friendships. Here's here's you know at 62 years old plus 9 months. Actually that's not necessarily true. It would be 62 years old plus 11 months at this point. <laughs> <laughs> outside the womb plus the nine, let's just say that. Outside the womb plus the nine in. Here's what's amazing to me is my entire life, I have always looked at what was happening out there. I mean, it, it, it sounds funny, but I never wanted to participate in what I was seeing because it made no sense. Why would anybody... It doesn't matter. My dad worked for himself. He was an engineer. We had we lived a good life. But he worked and had about 40% or 50% of his income taken away from him and given to somebody else. Yeah. He had six kids and a wife of his own. And he was subjected to all of that nonsense that we're all we're all in it together nonsense. Mhm. Don't get me wrong. I love. I, I as much as I rail against people, I, I rail against society. I rail against the the herd mentality. I rail against it. But I'm the ultimate optimist, and and when it right, comes right down to it, I'll help anybody that truly needs it, if I can. So I'm not against any of that. 
I'm against mm-hmm. confiscation. I'm against taking it yeah. from me to give to another. Because I watched uh, my dad die in that system. Yeah, it's, it, uh, I have very <coughs> similar, similar feelings. It's like now, and it, in a weird way, it's, it's got this knowledge has made it easier to deal with. Um, although it's been, a, you know, it's heavy. Um, but you have to also face the fact that, okay, this, it, it is what's happening. And, you know, seeing it brings, um, it started increasingly bringing forward the question of, um, okay, you can ask why me, but um, what am I going to do with this knowledge? Now that I know, um, you know, because it, it because it, yeah. it what a scary because it, it, yeah, no, yeah, I've thought about it a lot, and uh, oh yeah, uh, and and it's like um, uh, that. It in in some ways, it's really comforting to know. It's like right. you know, it's like the the armor. It's you John eight thirty two. You can you can go to any discussion, um, look at any paperwork, and you can rip it apart, saying that these are based yes. on total bullshit assumptions, and I can tell you how. Um, but the question becomes, where, like, who do I need to talk to? <laughs> and like, and that's why I chose the way um, that I took, which was that I'm not. I'm not writing all of these letters like I'm not spending like days and weeks on um uh revising them. I'm I'm basically right. writing them on one go and then sending them. And that's why I also use email so much because it's just takes you know, the time is, is I, oh, I yes, not have sent two thousand registered mails. So basically I thought that okay um, it seems to me that most of the machine, most of the people in the machine are clueless of this um, because they were never taught anything about this. So the machine is actually built for the people working in it to believe in. And thank, thank you. Not to interrupt, but I, let me, let me mm. say one thing. That's the word that I've been using, the machine. Mm. That, yeah. I, that's what this is. It is a machine. Yeah, I, I think it's okay. a good word for that. Um, so, but those people are very familiar, and you know, they, they also have their um, um, requirements in their official positions to be familiar with what they do but they aren't. So basically, what I started doing is I started pointing out to them that there are a lot of questions and a lot of inconsistencies in your paperwork, and I want some clarity to them because it's ultimately their record which has the mistake. It's their record which is fiction. And the fact that they believe in that fiction, f- fictitious record 
doesn't change reality. So I wanted to start pointing out to them that first of all, there are people who know how this works. And um, it's easy, it's relatively easy to spot these problems in your paperwork if you just take the time and track back. So I'm putting pressure on them to actually start thinking about what are they doing? Because I don't, I don't think most of them know. I don't know how high you have to go. And the funniest thing is that it's usually the lower level people who reply and they usually give like knee-jerk replies, quick replies, trying to sort of reason why something says what it says, some paperwork or whatever. But when I escalate those letters and then finally when these letters start hitting the highest offices, they never reply anything because they cannot. So it's they cannot. Like they cannot. <clears throat> because they know that if they even so much as, you know, so much as acknowledgments that they received what I wrote to them would already put obligations on them, not on me, on them. Because that's how um, trust law works. If I point out to them that this trust is void, um, it triggers the obligations on them. Let me let me say something weird about that because I just every day I wake up with these things. I'll you know I'll call them epiphanies for lack of a better term. But I realize now that the trust is global, but the trust is um, the public. So the public trust is global in scope at this point, at this point. And here in, here in the, we'll call it the United States, the United States became part of or became subject to Rome uh, during or, or immediately after the Civil War. Uh, you know, 1860 to 1871-ish, somewhere in there. And they did it through the the uh, Civil Rights, the Civil Rights Act of 1866. So civil rights is the what they're calling the public rights. To be civil, to be within that public. Um, and this is what they did... Uh, what came out of that civil war were, were called the Reconstruction Acts. The Reconstruction Act, like like reconstructive surgery. Yeah. Now, what people don't understand is just prior to the Civil War, eight, let's call it 1854-ish, the Pope made <clears throat> Mary the patroness of the United States of America the Virgin Mary, in 1854. Mm. So the patroness, the one financing, the one su supplying the, the wholeness, the wholeness through that afterbirth material, that's the Virgin Mary. She makes you whole through the placenta by giving you back that piece of you that has been omitted 
So the only way you can become whole is to be reconstructed through their, in, in this case, the 14th Amendment citizen, the civil rights citizen. So now you're broken until, or you're, you're deficient until you're put back together. Now the problem with being put back together with the birth certificated placental, fetal-maternal placental organ is that when they, when you, when I lay claim to the birth date, when I lay claim to that birth certificated character, it's an admission of a deficiency in my biology. So I'm deficient by admitting to that birthday. I'm deficient because the entirety of my biological estate was never delivered. So I'm deficient. I am deficient. I'm defective. I need to be made whole again by somebody else, by some third party, third person, third Reich, <laughs> third realm, a tertium quid. Now here's what's interesting about that is when I do admit to the birth certificated person, I'm, I'm admitting to two positions. I'm admitting to both a deficiency because it's, it, it's a matter of fact. There's your de facto government right there. It's a matter of fact. But here's the biggest thing. It's also admitting to an overage, a surplus, because it carries my mom's burden. Mm. It carries my mom's biology. So by admitting to the birth certificated character, I'm both deficient in my own biology, but it's a, I'm, I'm, there's an overage. That's the separation mm. of the wheat from the chaff, if you want to look at it that way. So now I'm carrying the burden of my mother, but here's what people don't get. The mother side of the equation is the public. That's the public. Mm. So Mother Earth is the public. Venus is the mother of Rome. Venus, the morning star. Venus, Lucifer. Venus, Jesus. Yeah. That's, 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 that's the public. So you, in order for you to move through the public, for you to have a right of way to work through the public, that deposit, the placenta, is evidence. The res of that public trust has a piece of you, that, that fetal biology, on deposit, making you surety while you're in the public the mother public. That's yeah. why when you or me, when we lay claim to the entirety of our personal biology, they don't have a surety. Now the entire structure, the entire banking system yeah. that is relying upon that as a passport <clears throat> deposit. The passport. Well, yeah, well, it, you know, it's not only the the banking system, um, and this is this is something I I thought would be fun to to, to talk about. Um, let let me cover a couple of topics. Um, That's okay. I'm just drinking the, coffee, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, um, we're just having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. That I, I there's three things that came to my mind from the what you said. Um, first is the timeline. You know, everything is the end of. 1800s, right? A lot of this stuff um, coinciding, of course, with uh, or perhaps culminating into the World War, uh, World War One. 
Um, now, here's a, here's a nice detail. I have a painting. I'm standing in front of it. Um, the artist, this is a beautiful one. It's a huge um, classic. The, the, the painter, you know, when they sign their name on it in the corner, yeah. he put the date or the year. It's usually the name of the year. So the year of that painting is 889. Now, if you can find the guy on, 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 on the internet. And there's a one, of course, in front of it. Now, but why would that guy, in actual reality, paint on his own painting 889 and not 1889? Which the internet says it is. <laughs> that's like a that's wow. like reality versus fiction. And, you know, you've, you've seen a lot of um, probably these speculations about how did this all happen. But it just makes, that's like a concrete example of how by adding an, an, a number, one, in front of those dates, it extends the fictional timeline so that these things start seeming like they have more value or weight than they were, and, and that they've been around for longer than what they actually have been. Now, I'm pretty sure that this thing was packaged around um, eight, 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 eight 1880s or 1800, at the end of 1800s, and it culminated into the, the First World War. Because when I look at the international law books, that like the best ones you can get, and you, you couldn't believe how much I've spent buying these books. Yes, I can. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have a hell of a library. Uh, it's not right funny. It's, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, it's um, but that's, that's one way they control it. it it's still like you pay 500 pounds per book um, when you buy these, these like top, these books that are, they say that these are essential for, um, uh, for example, for embassies. Um, because some people need to know exactly how this works. And, you, you know, you can buy those books um, if, if you know what to buy. Um, Oppenheimer is, is, is one of them. So in that one, basically what they say is that everything uh, else except the stuff that is written in Oppenheimer's international law, those volume one and volume two. Remember that one when I got it? I wrote to you. Yeah. Where, yeah. where they said it's a uh, do not split. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do not that one. split. Yeah, yeah, they wrote in a, in a handwritten note in the bookcase on top of the two books. Handwritten note, it says two volume set, do not split. There's no wow. name on it or nothing. They put that handwritten note with in the box, and then they shipped it in in uh, like a. You mean like like the publisher or the the uh, distributor says do not split. Hand, yes. Somebody, some living breathing somebody, entity actually well, hand wrote that note. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Someone knew 
what those books mean and decided to put in the box a handwritten note. There's nothing else on it. No name, nothing. Handwritten. <laughs> Two-volume set. Do not split. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. And there's two books. So, of course, you have the plausible deniability. It's amazing. But that was like one of the, one of the moments when I was like, okay, now I know that how, this, how, this is, how this is working. Super expensive to buy that. But, you know, somebody just reminded that, you know, think hard of what, what's in these books. Anyways, the books say that anything before that time when those books were written, um, anything before like mid-1800s or late-1800s was something like, quote-unquote, the international law was so different that it's not necessary to talk about it here. So basically, the entire international law structure was written by these guys at the end of... 1800s or 889 if you want so Vettel and, and it's replaced it replaced something now that's that something is um, why I said that it's not only the banking system that, that, that is involved here because um, they, uh, let, let me go on for a while because it, 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 I'm trying to to, to wrap this in a, in a, in a, in a, in a nice package. So, um, so the, the way, the, the question that I had in my mind when this all started coming together was, okay, all this documentation, all this paperwork about the registered person is something else done by someone else. So it means that that status is also fictional. So the immediate question is, well, what about me then? What's the real deal? Like how, like let's start with the name. <laughs> well, like, okay, but I know that my mom called me this. <laughs> Right, right. But if you but if you discard all of the paperwork, you have to start with the reality. And that's what I've been doing all along. I'm I'm trying to have in my head all the time two parallel tracks. One is the actual reality of what actually happens. Um and then you have this fictional uh, realm which is described in the paperwork and which creates a picture in your mind of what might have happened and what most people believe happened. But it's not the reality. You, you, there's no connection. It's just plausible. It's possible. But, um, but you, if you look at it from the reality side, what other could have happened that's when you start seeing how these things could can be built and that's how i got into the tracking the that's what i tried to track from the from the hospital paperwork is that 
you know, physically somebody has to do something, uh, you know, take the placenta, put it in a bag, put some sticker on that bag, then hand it to somebody. And, you know, because it's an organ in in a healthcare institution, they have to keep records of who does what. So basically, there is somewhere a full audit trail or chain of custody, if you want, of what happened to that biomaterial. Um, but then they, at the same time, when somebody's doing something in reality, they are also creating paperwork that when you read the paperwork, it gives you a different story. And then everybody starts believing that story. Okay, so coming back to this idea, uh, or the question of what's my status then, Uh, it it took a while, but but basically the only uh, explanation can be that because we're all here exactly the same way, um, there are no, you know, other kinds of people here. <laughs> Everybody is exactly the same way here. Then the status must be exactly the same. But the paperwork lets people believe that their status is something else. And then, <clears throat> uh, obviously, when you look at the status um, and you track it down, you know, using Bible or whatever, uh, you realize that uh, the status is the sovereignty. Um, it, it's it's the monarch. Um, it's the monarch. Or the un, uh, yeah, unabrogated um, inherent rights. And inherent means originating from organ. <laughs> um, intrinsic. So basically, if you are whole, that status is yours. But the way they do it is that instead of lifting somebody up to a status of a king, for example, they push everybody else down by the belief. Belief on the paperwork. Because they cannot change the reality. They cannot change the reality. They can't change the fact that it is me. But they can try everything to make me believe that I'm something else. And they'd be pretty successful at it because that's basically <laughs> what people think. They don't see it. But these guys, you know, and coming now back to the final, final thing, because in Europe we see it in, in a kind of a different package um, <clears throat> as these royalties are here. You know, the the kingdoms and, you know, kings and queens and royal families and all this, uh, which is not perhaps so, I don't know how that's even dealt with in the U.S., how, how you see those guys more than, you know, like celebrities. But but here it's pretty, it's more concrete because, you know, you, you can see those guys and you read the history and they teach it in the schools and all that. <clears throat> but that's the status. And when I found in the British law books the definition of crown, um, and they always refer to to the monarch as the crown, 
that's that's when 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 the 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 definition of public in a way um just started making more sense because the crown is defined as and i i can give you the exact citation but it means they define it as a repository of sovereignty repository of sovereignty so basically what they do is that when they take the evidence of the origin which is also evidence of the status they package it they deposit it and it's a deposition in their books into a repository of sovereignty which is a legal wrapper of all of the sovereign sovereign capacities from the people and then that package is the trust is the trust runs that trust and somebody runs that trust and it can be a single guy with a crown on his head symbolizing that he's administering that repository or it can be a republic a different kind of a wrapper but when you look at the republic like finland is such a great example of this because it was under finland was under again the same time um like early 1900s finland was under uh, the russian rule the russian emperor right and it was given like a semi autonomous uh, status but it was still ruled by the monarch in russia and then the russian revolution happened and that guy gave up the position which resulted in finland uh basically being without a sovereign so and that status of being without a sovereign is defined in law it's called regency and regency you can just look at it webster's so regency means uh that somebody is running a state in the absence or in when a sovereign is incapacitated like an infant yeah okay. so what they did so what they did is they created um a regency which is the same package again it's the same repository but they didn't necessarily step up to the plate you know they just said that well we'll just administer this regency because the sovereign is not around there's no sovereigns here so we'll just run this as an administrative system and then gradually they started creating um uh functions i'm not sure if that's the right word but functions which make it look like people participate in that but you don't actually participate in it because the powers the actual sovereign powers are in that wrapper which those guys administer 
You mean the collectivized, the collective? Yes, and people who go and vote, for example, they vote as citizens. The, The voter rolls are citizen registers. So you go there, you identify as the registered person, and you vote, and it makes you believe that you participate in the use of the sovereignty. But you don't, because your capacity is wrong. Right? And the only one who can actually use that power are the guys who run the regency. In the absence of a sovereign. (laughs) Right. See what I mean? And that's why they have to have in the international law the people's right to self-determination. Basically, they cannot get rid of that. Because anyone who walks up and says, dude, I'm whole. What happens then to the Regency? Sorry, there's no absence anymore. The one living man. Yeah. Becomes, becomes the sovereign. Hmm. In the absence of, of, of all else, think about it. I, I've used this idea myself is, let's say America is a Regency or uh, a collective sovereignty where they're using those decedent estates from that repository, the res, what happens mm-hmm. if I swim ashore yeah. and evidence life? I'm the only living man. What happens to the machinery? What happens to that machine when the one living man shows up again? Because all of his, his uh, property, all of his rights have to be returned to him upon his own return. Yeah. Yes. And what happens to that to that regency when the one living man shows up? Yeah. Or when I don't know. more of them, or when more of them <laughs> start showing up, because I, um, I, because um, I've, I've been saying like, you know, it's 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 also natural that not everybody wants to to wants to take responsibility like that. Right. Um, they can't even take responsibility of their own lives. And they admit it. And it's fine. Maybe some people can't do that. But if they delegate their, the authority and the powers that they cannot actually get rid of, if they delegate it to someone else, it has to be done knowingly. So it's like, it's like a village sends one guy to negotiate with the other guy in the next village saying that you represent us but if you fuck up that's the last time you represent us because we'll take the powers back immediately you know you can delegate it but you never lose it and that's that's the problem these guys have you cannot lose it because they can't the paperwork doesn't change the reality so so I'm totally fine um, if the situation is where people make that choice knowingly and they believe that somebody can represent them and perhaps you know, make some kind of a deal with someone else. But um, the, whoever takes that power should not then hold on to it and start playing fucking games for 
couple of generations so that everybody forgets how this works. <laughs> you know? Um, it's been and if you decades. Look at the, when I, yeah, I think, well, I'd say we're talking about two or three generations. That's it. Really. Some of these guys, you know, you know, there's some guys alive who were alive at that time. Um, still, like in the turn of 1800s, 1900s, whatever that 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 number is. But but it's not that long ago when these things were were packaged like this, and they and they clearly sort of tried to get rid of the the, the sovereigns in their real capacity. And in some countries, they made it like a ceremonial king or whatever. And the actual state powers were, were packaged in a repository. And then these guys just go on and clip the, you know, open museums and whatever. <laughs> well, actually, that's, that's more accurate than you think. Opening museums... And, yeah. and, and, and becoming curator seems to be what exactly what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think about it, but yeah, exactly. That's it. So, so, um, so it's still like you know, the, it's still the same structure. And 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 um, uh, so so um, so what I'm saying is that. It, this is it's more profound than that, and I think these uh, the symptoms of 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 them realizing that people are people actually can see the difference now is making them so uh, adamant in pushing this the idea of digital identity, but the digital identity projects are nothing. They're, they're just another wrapper. They're another icing on the same cake. Right? right. And you can pull the rug just the same way. The only thing you need to ask is, where is this, what is this information based on? You know, who, what is this identity? Well, how did you get it? Who created it? Based on what? And that's it. There's nothing after let me, that. Let me, let, let me jump in here real quick because it's so amazing that the source, when you talk about based on, what is it based on, founded yeah. upon? What, what is it? What's the substance itself? Because without the substance, the rest of the narrative is irrelevant. See, most people think that, that you know, um, the digital realm is actually completely devoid of substance. It's not. It's still based on substance. It's just removing the substance that once existed um, twice now. Instead of it going to paper, they're going to even disappear the substance of the paper and make it completely narrative. That's why the digital is so amazing. They're going to still use the biology, and they're, but they're no longer going to have the substance or the paper trail. They're going to be able to negate something with the push of a button. So, yeah. But here's my point. Here's my point in the whole thing. Everything begins with malpractice. The whole system begins at the point of malpractice. 
And I'm saying medical malpractice for not delivering the entirety of the estate, the biological estate, in, as one unit, right there, right there is the beginning of the division or the parallel universe that's created through or duality. When they, that medical malpractice is step one. Step two is the, um, the attorney malpractice. Those guys that are taking cases they know that are not true. So you have malpractice in, in the legal field. And then you have accounting, the accounting malpractice of an estate or an account that does not exist in, uh, in, in reality. It only exists as a duality or a plurality. So once you eliminate the physical separation of the singularity of that first estate, when you, when you eliminate the possibility or you call it what it is, it's malpractice. That's, their entire system is based upon malpractice because delivery is, is fetus, umbilical, and extraembryonic membranes. That's the one estate. But through the separation or the cutting or the amputation of that organ, they're able to create that duality. They're able to create a private or an individual over here and a public version of that individual, including that individual's biology, as surety. Yeah. So, again, you get rid of that malpractice. You call it what it is right up front. This is malpractice at, at the get-go. And that's yeah. – so it's, it, it's, it's, it's actually the conception itself. I mean, let me, let me say one more thing about the word conception. Baby begins at fertilization. What people don't understand is that when that conceptus plants into the walls of the uterus, that conception – that's what it's called now. Implantation is now conception. And you know this, but what, what I'm trying to say is that people don't realize that when that thing implants into the wall, and that's the definition of conception now, what is being conceived upon implantation? The only thing created that born alive, the product of, mm -hmm. of, of conception is the placenta. That's what's mm -hmm. conceived. That's why these guys now in all around the world are talking about abortion, but they're still talking about conception because the Roman Catholic Church rules over that conception. It rules over that human creature, that afterbirth placenta. So I, I still, no matter what, I, I, no matter how much I want it to be something else, it always goes back to the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, I can't find anywhere else it 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 goes. Yeah, it it it, it does. I'm finding more and more about it as well. So so basically, um, it's really interesting that there again. Um, so when when you look at it the way you do that, you have the reality of what's actually happening, and then what the narrative is. The the, the conception. As, as they call it, uh, well, obviously that um, that word is, has a dual meaning because it's a mental conception, or or, or right. they can an idea to describe the physical one as well, which is then defined in a fluffy way. But there's another <laughs> term that I uh, 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 there's another term that I like to use. Um, I don't know if you noticed it, but I use the term accretion and accretion is um, close to abortion but right right uh, but but accretion is actually let me start from international law in international law accretion is one legitimate 
original way to acquire territory, acquire sovereign territory. And what happens, what accretion means in international law is, for example, when you have a waterway and this current, so river basically, and like a delta, somebody, like a delta. Yeah, delta, exactly. And then somebody parks a boat on one bank, and let's say it's a pretty narrow river, so the boat can start creating currents in the water that start shifting the soil from the other bank to the other one. And you know, the sand and the soil starts building up potentially around the boat because that's the way the water flows uh, because the the boat is diverting the water flow you know right when it's there right so it's not natural anymore there's a boat which changes the way the water flows and then the changed water flow takes the material and deposits it deposits and accumulates it let's say around the boat now that let's say there's one state on the other side of the river and another state on the other. If the soil accumulates on the other side, it becomes so the other territory. bank, the other bank. Yeah. yeah it becomes <laughs> and, and, and the other state acquires originally that territory. So that's why I had, I, I think that's, highly relevant because it also it's the same thing if you look at biologically the maternal placenta would not um, take shape it would not exist unless you were there unless you implanted and then you're saying that whatever you're saying happens that, that w- you're, whatever you're saying happens, that the maternal placenta the maternal placenta is a result of implantation it's an accretion. It is. Yeah, it yeah, absolutely it's an accretion. is. Accretion. And that means that it's mine. But the next thing that happens closer to the uh, delivery event is avulsion, which is again an international law term for acquire, acquiring territory. So when the abortion happens after the accretion, it's still mine. It's still mine, yes. It's still mine. And when you look at, let's jump into the church realm now. So when you look at Summa Theologica, they describe the same process there. But they call it the generative power of Adam. And that's how something can be created which is in flesh, without the seed. The Virgin Mary. Yeah, because it's the generative power of the seed, of the implanted zygote, if you want, which makes it happen. It's not it, but it creates it because it's there. So there goes the church claim. You know, what's interesting is accretion, 
was described very well in a court case in the late or in the mid 1850s called Eads versus Brazelton. Mm-hmm. E-A-D-S versus Brazelton. What's interesting yeah. about that court, that court case is that's the one where that steamship sunk in a river. Mm-hmm. But the name of the ship, I mean, the ship itself had lead, uh, i.e., you think mm-hmm. of alchemy and turning lead into gold, but mm-hmm. the ship itself was named the America. So, there, I mean... They, the America sunk in the Mississippi in the 1850s, according to Eads versus Brazelton. And what's interesting is the boat that sunk um, changed the direction of the water in the river, but it also located the boat. The, the, depo- the deposits, the silt um, around the boat marked the location of the boat for it to be found later. In other words, discovery. The discovery process of the lost or abandoned ship. Um, so Eads versus Brazelton, is a, I love that case specifically for the accretion, but I, I can't believe um, the idea is so, is so obvious when accretion is, the placenta is a creation. It's a product of implantation. It's an aggression. The maternal afterbirth is, yes, I get it. I, I, you're saying it's yours. It's yours because of implantation, because of aggression. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with that. The problem is you can't get to that argument unless you're whole. Yeah. And, and one last thing about Adam. In the 1930s, they they came up with another term, the atomic age, the atomic age (laughs) or Adamic age. The, and and what I'm, what's interesting is all of the energy that they are, that they are um, using or or having access to all the energy, doesn't matter what form is due to the splitting of that atom. So by cutting us off from our origin, they have released or made possible the release of energy, our, our own mm-hmm. energy. They released it for capture. Yeah. Harvest. So there, this is a, a nuclear um, realm that is completely on paper. Yeah. And it, it is a nuclear war that occurred. So when they say they dropped the bomb on Nagasaki or, or Hiroshima, the nuclear bomb, the, the true destruction was the atom bomb that was detonated upon the cutting of the umbilical cord and yeah. putting it to paper, allowing that energy to be captured or, or discovered as a source of energy. And, of course, then what do we do? We allow that to occur, and so they're able to do what? Extract all our energy through that splitting of the atom. I, it, it's, so, it's so unbelievably perfect what they've devised. Let me let me read a passage to you in a 1700s case. I'm slightly, you know, this is all the same topic, but this is um, this describes something that you love. Um, 
it's, it's, because it's, it's, this is in the context of marriages. Lindo versus Belisario, 1700s. Uh, 1795 case. <laughs> I just I just <laughs> found this like like I'm laughing already. I found this like two days ago. Right. Okay. Um, so they're talking about ma- what a marriage is. The judges. The opinions which have been di- uh, the opinion sorry the opinions which have divided the world or writers, at least, on this subject, are generally too. It's held by some persons that marriage is a contract, merely civil, by others that it's a sacred, religious, and spiritual contract, and only so to be considered. The jurisdiction of the ecclesiastical court was founded on ideas that this last described nature. But in a more correct view of this subject, I conceive that neither of these opinions is perfectly accurate. According to juster notions of the nature of the marriage contract, it is not merely either a civil or religious contract. Uh, And at present time, it is not to be considered as originally and simply one or the other. It is a contract according to the law of nature antecedent to civil institution and which may take place to all intents and purposes wherever two persons of different uh, sexes engage by mutual contracts to live together. Our first parents lived not in political society but as individuals without the regulation of any institution of that kind. So that's wow. how they saw the world in 1700s, or let's say 795. Oh my so God. They, it's all there. It's like they laid out. So you have the civil rapper, you have the church rapper, and then you have the reality. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think that, what I, I mean, along the way, what they've done... Um, the movie that describes it the best I've seen is called Elysium, and where where there's this world, this satellite world out in heaven, the heavenly Father aspect, and then you have this the 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 globe itself, Earth, we'll call it, which is subject to Roman Catholicism. What's amazing is the split, is the the separation between heavenly Father and Mother Earth. And I think that that's what, the, when, when the zygotic material, now called conceptus, plants into the wall of the uterus, that's actually, you have to think of it as the father, the fatherland, um, merging or marrying the motherland, if you want to look at it that way. So there is a marriage between those two, those two worlds. And there's, what is the Bible passage? Let... Uh, uh, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea is that we are, I mean, heaven and earth, mother and father are actually one. And I'll, in order for me to be here, they have to be one. And what they've done by cutting the cord and, and separating us from, from that water-based 
nine months in the womb is they've they've disconnected us from that law of nature and then we admit to or accept or acknowledge or worse we believe in the birth certificated narrative and a strong belief is also known as a conviction so we convict ourselves of this original sin this original debt there's only a debt because we don't have the boat we don't have access to the boat we don't have the very thing that got us here so they they create an indenture upon a boat that we've abandoned and now we we can never pay that bill back and the bill is nothing more than our biology which they're taking as the sacrifice to get us here they call jesus finally i'll say this the other day somebody sent me a document um, it, it, I think the United States is etats uni. I think it's the states united, the unborn state united with the born state. That's what I think the United States actually is. Um, and so I think it's applicable. I think the United States is basically acting as the interme- inter- intermediary through the District of Columbia to put all this shit together. That's why the corporations are out there, but they all go through Delaware. You know what I mean? So they got this corporate... Uh, uh, reattaching or bonding itself to the biological to make you whole again but it's all done here now through you know whatever the birth certificated character but um where was i going with this the uh ultimately i mean what i'm what i'm i'm looking at is there is and and i think you agree with this when when you're all present and accounted for from fertilization to last breath and that wholeness is not arguable. Um, all, their, all their fictitious cases, all their landmark cases, everything they've devised to separate us from our godly origin, is un- it, it becomes um, irrelevant. But the, the lower offices, the lower people, can't do anything for you. They can't do anything to even acknowledge that yeah. you're okay, you're safe, you're whole. Okay. Uh, only at the upper echelons. And I think also that you're, you're writing, again, I, I, I got to tell you that that last letter you sent me is the greatest letter I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, if there's anything missing in it, I didn't see it. I've only, I only read it three times, but if there's something missing in it, um, and there might be a, a nuance, you know what I mean, one word that might be missing, but I don't know what that is yet. But the point is is that I think that letter uh, um, had everything in it, and I think that very few people, the digital realm will come, everything will happen the way it is, and we're still in exactly the same position unless we're not. I honestly yeah. think that it's okay. Whatever happens to those people that have convicted themselves through their own ignorance, um, it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no way we can stop it. And, and that's, you know, that's really a scary thought to think that people that, you know, are probably pretty decent people aren't going to, you know, they're going to be subjected to this, this, this horrific situation but yeah i think it really is the father and the mother oh that's what i was getting at this document a guy sent me and this is where i'm going with this he sent me a document that is 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 cfr no 45 
CFR 30.32. 45 CFR 30.32. And it was, um, and again, it's, I don't have my computer up here with me, but it was um, discharging debt, the debt. And as you read through this, they talk about a delinquent, a delinquency, a, a delinquent account. Now, the delinquent mm-hmm. is the juvenile delinquent. It's the it's the the account mm-hmm. that has yet to complete. It's not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It's actually an omission. It's delinquent. It's late. But here's the thing: is you're supposed to respond to a secretary. What's interesting is the secretary that is able to discharge this once and for all, this debt, the secretary here is the Secretary of Health and Human Services, HHS. Health and Human Services is where here, if you go to HHS, it is where the protected health information, PHI, better known as fee, <laughs> better known as the divine proportion of man, um, HHS, it changed its name from HEW back in 1979, and HEW, the word HUE, is to cut. But HUE also is health, education, welfare, but it's specific to that infant cut material, that infant deposit, that infant, that infant deposition. The reason, and, and, and that infant is described uh, in the United States Code at 1 U.S.C. 8. The reason this is important is because everything is about making you whole. And when I, when I tracked on 45 CFR 3032, what I discovered was um, the dignity. The dignity. And that dignity is of the dignity of the father. And that's what's yeah. missing right now in the birth certificated um, mother and yeah. child. The father's yeah. missing. And that's why and that's, the, that's, the, that's, and that's and why the diplomats the are dignitaries. And that's the dig- and but that's the father part of the equation. Mm-hmm. The dignitary. Um yeah. and it and it's very, very specific. The definition of dignity will lead you exactly to where you realize the father has always been missing. Um and of course if a yeah. man keeps claiming that birthday, he never he never ag- actually becomes majority he never actually has the status of the living so he too falls to the child side of the equation which falls into the regency yeah without capacity so even the man the father of the family falls into the regency subject to guardianship or an overseer um, and he never has the ability to speak for himself even as a man that's where i that's where i think everything's at until you be until you understand luke 531 yeah, Luke five thirty one. They that are whole. Yeah, it's it's amazing when you know because I'm probing like who's who's gonna answer when obviously we can now describe um, what this is and what the problem is, and when I write those letters, I'm usually thinking that I'm sitting across the guy. Um, and I'm trying to explain to them, like imagine sitting, sitting across the table uh, with 
let's say, the Secretary of State of Vatican, who received a couple of my letters. Um, and the guy, in all his arrogance, is asking, well, what's the problem? You know, if you ever get in, if you ever get to meet him. But I, this is what, how I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm sitting there, and I'm saying, okay, let me explain you what the problem is. <laughs> and then I start writing it. <laughs> and I'm trying to use right. their terminology so that he cannot wiggle away by using their terminology. I'm using their terminology to describe what the problem is. I agree completely. <laughs> so, completely. So it's, it, the, it's really, and it, you can see it, like the people who reply, they don't get it. And the people who don't reply probably get it and they're trying to run. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's really crazy. Uh, but let me, one thing I wanted to share with you um, was um, uh, I've been looking into uh, evidence, like law of evidence. And how do you use evidence in courts? Because as we've discussed for a while now, um, the birth certificate and all the background documents that create that entry into the population register database, all that paperwork from the church and hospitals, they are actually evidence. And when they spin the story, that's evidence of your incapacitation, your lack of capacity, um, or your deposition, if you want. But that's not the only way you can use that as evidence. And here's a really good one, because listen to this. Um, so... <clears throat> How do I? This <laughs> is a bit of. It's a, it's a, I don't know how how familiar you are with um, how hearsay is treated in courts. So basically, if somebody is just stating something, and that statement is brought into the court as evidence, then the court needs to evaluate how reliable that statement is. And usually hearsay is like hearsay can be excluded from the evidence because you cannot verify if it's, if it's actually describing the truth or not. So it's a bit of a tricky process where you have to really be able to justify why would you bring this piece of evidence or this statement into the court in front of the jury um, to uh, describe what has actually happened, to describe the reality, the truth. Um, and there's a little nuance because the statement can be anything. It can be a document and it can be a public document. It can be the birth certificate, for example, because it's made by somebody you don't know and it's a statement about supposedly about you um, it's making state it's it's a statement that gives other people the ability to infer something about you 
or assume something about you, like your status. Now, <clears throat> what you can do with that is that um, instead of treating it as evidence of what's stated in that statement, you can treat it as evidence of something else. Do you see what I mean? <laughs> yes. You mean the opposite. Yeah. So what what how can I use it? I can say to your advantage. I can yeah. say yeah, so because in the courtroom everything starts with the assumption that the court gets a printout from the population register. And they have that printout there. And that is um evidence for them of your status. However, you can say that, well, that's all hearsay uh, because what the, subs what the statement is actually stating is untruthful. However, keep the paper there on your table because it's evidence of something else. It's not it's evidence, evidence of a crime. Truth. Yeah, it's not <laughs> evidence of the truth. Of of the truth, the statement is not correct. But what it, it can it can be used in six different ways. And I, the list is here. Six. <laughs> yeah. First of all, it can be used. Um, the statement can prove the state of mind of the person who made. The statement. So, okay, you can say whoever statement. wrote that. Yeah, the state, the birth certificate. Let's take the birth certificate as a statement, as a hearsay statement, <laughs> because somebody wrote it. Somebody wrote it. In actual reality, somebody was of that opinion, right, about my status. But. What they're stating is not true. But since they made the statement, it's evidence of their state of mind. Because apparently they believe that shit. <laughs> Got it. I love it. Okay. That's the first. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. The second. That's... I can send these to you because it's... A, a bit complicated. I like there's a lot of nuances to this. I can send you a lot more than what I'm saying here now. But the second one, the statement can prove the state of the state of mind of the of the person who reads or hears it. Okay, so this can be applied. If I if I take myself as first. As, well, let's let's do it in, in like chronologically as it would work in a court. First of all, it tells about the state of mind of the judge. If you take it, if you take that presumption as the truth without letting me question that. Okay, can't do that. You're, they would not be of sound mind if they did that. However, it can prove that I am of sound mind because when I hear that statement, I immediately 
rebut it. Because I know it doesn't describe me. I know it's untruthful. So the statement is evidence of my knowledge. Okay? Is that number three? That was two. Number three... That was two? Okay. Yeah. Number three. The statement can be used as evidence of the fact that it is false. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. Yeah, me too. So you can say, look at it. It's self-evident. You know, because if, if the easiest way would be to say, bring attached to that all the background uh, information or the background letters that were sent, and those would be the letters from the church and the hospital to the population register. And you look at the substance of those letters, and you can see, for example, that the church papers don't have any biometric information or anything on them. So you have no way of knowing who do they actually describe. And the hospital paperwork treats the placenta and myself as two separate entities, which is untruthful and total bullshit. So it's evidence of that statement being false, not an evidence of it being true. And you can bring it in as evidence of it being false, not as evidence of what it states. Yeah, I I agree. In fact, uh, it, it's really funny because the the book that I got coming out, the cover art or the cover illustration is uh, a really cute, simple baby umbilical and extra embryonic material or placenta. Mm-hmm. On the back, it actually has a chalk outline of of a man. Oh yeah, mm. with with the placenta cut and uh, blood ah. everywhere and and a a crime scene yellow tape around it yeah that's it. <laughs> because that's the cutting it. is the crime anyway yeah i'm sorry it's just really it, in that that's one it. illustration it tells the whole story it captures it yeah it captures that's, it that's in a fine. very simple illustration yes yeah okay number four statement can be used <laughs> as evidence of the fact that an offer was made So you or someone suggesting that that describes me is evidence of you making an offer. And I can use it as evidence of what type of an offer that is. You know what I mean? (laughs) What would be the result of it? You know, what are you trying to achieve? That's what I'm saying. Right. So you putting that out to me as an offer to identify as is not a very nice offer. Very Kevorkian. Yeah, it has dramatic (laughs) consequences if I accept that shit. Right. (laughs) Okay, number five. The statement can be used as evidence of association between the accused and the statement, or the accused is here, you, like, you know, if you, whoever it's referring to. Okay, so, so I can say, well, I'll look at the date. Um, 
obviously, that was created in um, the same place where the delivery happened. So it's clear that this paperwork is not just void, it's specifically meant to do harm to me or to be an, um, an outrageous offer, perhaps an illegal offer to me. Because everybody's claiming that it's about me. And finally, the sixth one, the statement can be used as evidence of the use to which it can be put. Say that so again. I can say the, the statement can be used as evidence of the use to which it can be put. Oh. And that's a big one. So I can say, okay, let me lay it out to you. <laughs> if you have that there and you're offering it to me to identify as, it means that you're actually dethroning me. That, that's pretty hot. That's treasonous. And that's evidence of you trying to do that. Is it sedition? Undermining the. Um, well, how would you how would, how would you describe the effect of? of <laughs> so it seems like sedition, or or definitely, um, you know, you got two people working in concert to undermine a government. Yeah, and that's that's how I would say. It. It's evidence Conspiracy. of that. <laughs> So you want to bring that paper in here? <laughs> what happens sure? if that paper is not allowed? Let me ask you something, Bill. If, if that paper is not allowed into any of the lower courts, will anything move? No, so it is there because that's the person is summoned. The person is summoned. You're not summoned. Right. Right. It's already there. They have to take the printout before they can even invite anybody in. Is that their discovery? That's how they create the jurisdiction to begin with. Because the court can, cannot do anything unless they have jurisdiction to make some decision. So the first thing the court needs to do is to establish that the court has jurisdiction to rule on that question. And the, the jurisdiction is acquired by the question, are you this guy? Because and they have it. jurisdiction over that person, but not you. Right, right. And that's why they have it there already. It's on the table of the judge already. Don't they have jurisdiction over all derivative versions of that person as well? Yeah, because they made it. They're the, the You're right, that's what that I mean. Bullshit. All the clones, Narrative. all the clones or derivatives that are beget, now I can't use beget because that's biological, that are created through that person, they're all mm -hmm. within the jurisdiction of that court. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they are, they are their creatures. Or they can flip it to, you know, if you 
they can flip it to ecclesiastical courts or maritime courts or whatever, how you want to see that narrative, which, whichever way, whichever sort of path you take with it, whichever derivative um, reality you want to take from <laughs> the paperwork and believe in it. But the, but the reality, that, the court, the, 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 the only function of the court is to be the tribunal of truth. And so, <clears throat> so the question is, well, court as a mechanism is fine. The way they run them is total bullshit. Um, and they don't explain you what's actually happening in those courts. But that's fine because those courts don't have any jurisdiction on any anything else except that registered person. In other and words, they have over... the fucking evidence on the table when you walk in there of the crime. <laughs> but First Corinthians two fifteen would say the spiritual man is to be judged by no man. So mm. the breathing man, the, the man filled with the breath of God, is not subject to that court. But he has to basically voice that through the breath itself, evidence that through the breath itself as that, as that air passes over those vocal cords to, to, to stand his ground. Um, that's the only way I believe um, this will work. I mean, you could write it out. You could, you could submit these, you know, these answers to, to their jurisdictional question. Um, and I think that it would work just fine too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Let's, so, let's so them answer that, that. That's what I would do if um, if anybody gets uh, an invite um, <laughs> to go uh, talk about this. I would immediately send a written reply and say, "Okay, this is how I'm going to approach this." So, do you really want to have this discussion there? Is is have you had anything strange, um, or I mean, you've had some some interesting replies to your to your letters. Yeah. Uh, okay. I have. Uh, very subtle, very very subtle, but I know that um, the permanent secretary of the Ministry of Finance. Is very interested in what I've been writing. Um, the the sec, the secretary of the Supreme Court, kind of the same thing. Um, the legal advisor of the president wrote me back a few times actually. Um, and then the Interior um, Ministry, which is the it was. Um, Something that escalated uh, through the customs to the police and then to the like the police uh, head, uh, the head of police, um, which is under the Interior Ministry. They sent a very interesting reply to me um, after the the letters were bouncing around, and they said that basically it was written in a very subtle way, but basically what they said was, what do you want us to do about this? It, it basically said that what, what they're like, 
yeah, we read the information. What can we do about this, which is in, within our jurisdiction, was, was basically the reply. Or they said, we cannot see what we can do within our jurisdiction about this. Something like that. That would probably describe it best. So they didn't, they didn't disagree. <clears throat> Nobody but, has disagreed. But, Nobody well, has disagreed I, with any of this. Right. They just don't reply, or they reply total bullshit, which I point out immediately. And then it escalates, 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 and then they write back. I've got like official reports with uh, case numbers and everything on them from almost every ministry. Um, the Ministry of Finance sent one as well, where they actually went and looked at the population register. And then they sent a big report back to me that, yeah, we've looked into this, and the, the officials at the registry have done nothing wrong. However, we don't want to state anything about the truthfulness of the actual entry. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what you know, that was the fucking point? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that the, when I sent the letter to the president that said the cut and the deposit, the pound of flesh deposit was ex injuria, just not orator, when when I pointed that out, that's I think that's the one he received in March of 2020, when they, when the World of Health uh, decided COVID existed. Yeah, um, it's the covered identity, I, I, the covered infant identity. Yeah, I can see that totally. Because what people don't understand is that by pointing it out, what I did was, in a weird sense, people don't understand this, but I broke the bond. Mm -hmm. I broke the yeah. bond between their contrived separation of heaven and earth. See, we, there is yeah. no separation between consciousness and body, mind and body, um, <laughs> until we do what? Until we revenue ourselves. The internal revenue, the internal revenuing is in our own mind. Yeah. And that's what happened is, is by breaking or by putting myself back together and everyone else, in fact, their separation of church and state, their, sep their separation of mind from body, their perinde akadaver, you know, in the manner of a corpse society, um, was negated. So the bond that was required uh, between heaven and earth is no longer required because the truth of the matter is a bond isn't necessary. And as yeah, soon as I pointed that out and said the cut itself becomes a, a, a fetal abortion or a partial birth abortion, and that's ex injuria just non orator, that made it so they could not create a character based upon that criminal act, that act of violence. Mm -hmm. And so if the, if the birth certificated person is predicated upon an act of violence, it's off the table, literally off the table. Now what? Now what do we do? We, we, we have everybody put the corporate veil on their face. Yeah. That's what they did. They had everybody so, physically put the corporate veil and identify themselves through the corporate veil on their face. But did you, did you ever wonder, 
why that was necessary. Because I saw it right away that this is um, this is uh, a legal act, not something that is meant to protect you from something. Because that was totally ridiculous claim. Um, no, it was to self-identify in front of you. Yeah, it, it was a self-identification. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say it was a legal act which needed to be present for some reason. So what they wanted to do, what they needed to do somehow, imagine this, what, what would happen if you break the bond. So that would trigger basically a major um, risk in the future revenue stream that is expected to be collected from the registered persons, right? So the, the, the entire labor pool. Industry. The entire labor yeah. pool. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I know. But and that revenue stream, obviously, like any revenue stream, is a future revenue stream that can be securitized and sold to the market, and you can have insurance products around that, right? For, for that expected revenue. Now, what happened was that the risk of that future revenue stream just went sky high. And they needed probably, this is my hunch, to provide evidence that this is not going to blow up. They needed to bring down the risk score, if you want, of that investment where they needed to show evidence that not everybody gets this. <laughs> Prima facie. Yeah. On its face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they needed to justify to somebody that hold on, hold on, this is not as bad as it looks because most of the people are still totally clueless. Um, well, how do you know that? Well, let's make them wear a fucking paper on their face <laughs> and tell that, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right. And if they're that stupid, you know, that tells you something. That's how I see it. And then what did they do when they brought out the, the vaccine was start liquidating their inventory. Probably, unfortunately, yeah. Well, and I think, and of course, I don't know this to be true because I don't have any evidence, meaning that I can't find numbers that are actually truthful numbers as to the amount of people dying uh, due to this. But there are lots of photographs yeah. of lots of cemeteries with lots of, you know, um, yeah. I know. Uh, bare dirt very sad. all over the world. Super sad. It is. It's super sad. The, but but one thing I'm I struggling. want to point out, which is which is something that uh, many people have kind of, in my opinion, fallen for, again, um, is that claim that there is some kind of a patentable um, or patent claim on the substance that would subjugate you. And I would look at that. Um, <clears throat> 
I have more detailed um, legal citations for how to handle that. But uh, the best description is uh, probably from like uh, the law of tort or maybe land law that if I have um, I have my backyard and some dude comes and says well I'm just going to put this barrel here and uh, you know uh, can I just empty this barrel here on your on your backyard and yeah fine go ahead and he pours it in, and it's some kind of toxic shit that that gets um, into the ground. Um, now, what has happened? And then the guy starts claiming that now this land is his because that shit that belongs to him is there. I don't think it works like that. So, and there's this famous Monsanto case that everybody quotes. Um, making people scared that that's, that's what's going to happen. But they miscite that case. The case says that the patent claim to the patented material doesn't break, but it does not transfer the ownership of the other stuff. So what that means is that if you dump some toxic shit on my land, it's still your shit but it does harm to my land, and that has implications and liabilities to you. Now, if I think that's that that bad enough, Lockwood. yeah. If the if 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 the if the if the side effect is bad enough, then that's really you know that's bad. But the patent claim is BS. It doesn't work like that. They cannot claim the surrounding territory because they spilled some shit on the ground. Um, so, so I think that, that narr- that's a narrative as well. It's made because a lot of these, a lot of these uh, ideas that are being put out, like frantically these these days, they are all. If you look at the psychological effect of them, that's what gives it away. They are all kind of um, stories which make it seem like there's nothing you can do about it. And that's exactly, that's the only purpose of these stories. Hopelessness, yes. Hopelessness, exactly. Give it up because there's nothing you can do about it anymore. But that's total contrary. There's, There's nothing you can actually do to give up that status. Um, except you're being tricked into that, or you knowingly, willingly consent to that, because you don't. Which want is to. impossible. Which is imp- I don't think well, that's even a possibility. It is because you can say you know you can say that look I don't want to take care of everything. I'm not ready for that. I'm not strong enough for that. Some people physically cannot maybe psychologically cannot and then you need to have some people who take care of those people and it's a valid delegation say I cannot use these powers please use it for me please use it for my advantage but don't abuse it and there's a trust that's a trust then 
yeah, then it's a valid trust. And that's the way this power should be used. And they could be pulled out any, any, any time, which is actually what we're doing. We're saying, what the fuck? You don't have those powers anymore. You know, yeah, that's kind of why I've always said that a living man, a living man, doesn't require a trust, whereas the birth certificated person is is actually the res of a trust. It, it, it's evidence of the res. It's evidence of the res because the paper, the reduction to paper, um, that evidences the bio the biological matter, or even biohazardous matter, um, is what the paper represents or represents. So if it exists on its own, then I cannot because my biology cannot be in those two places at one moment. Yeah. So it's an either-or proposition. Another way, another trick that they use all the time um, is is the, the mind game where they create this... The, so when the narrative starts about something, and I can give you a couple of examples, they start a narrative about something that is usually scary, that makes you, you know, just drop your, uh, you know, any effort to try and change it because it seems so overwhelming. And what creates that narrative is always data and projections, but the data and the projection models that they use are always only done by them. So the data is created by them and the model is created by them. And then that gives um, a hypothesis or um, a narrative that seems very, very scary and somehow plausible and you can catch it every time by following who created the data or how the data was created and in the medical industry this is like everything depends on this so i use an example about this um because i did it when i wanted to show one guy or actually a number of guys um who refused to get it. And I said, let me show you how fucked up the system is, the medical um, record system. So I walked into a clinic. <clears throat> so these were physicians um, that I wanted to show this to. I said, first of all, they checked. I said, look into my ears. I have nothing wrong, right? Everybody agrees? Fine, okay. So then let's all together walk into this clinic and you just shut up and watch what I do. So we walked in, I booked the time, I went to a guy and I said, we were all in the room, I said, my ear hurts. And well, which one? Yeah, left one, yeah, yeah, left one, yeah. Then he looked into my ear with this like otoscope, you know, the little thing they put in the ear and the guy looks into it. And he's like, yeah, dude, you have a, an ear infection clearly here. Okay. <laughs> well, what are we going to do about it? I said, well, it's, it's okay. I think I'll, I'll write some medication. 
So then the guy sits down and starts writing into the, um, into the medical record stuff that he fucking invented on the spot. And that, obviously, that record is the record of the registered person, right? Right. So he just invents shit on it. And then he writes prescription, medication, whatever, data, do you want some, you know, leave from work, whatever. And then all the insurance payments get triggered, you know, for that visit, tests, medications, everything, payments, you know, show me the card, da, da, da. And it was all total lie. But after the fact, when you try and prove that you did not have an ear infection, it's impossible. Because the only truth is in that machine, is on the record. But the problem is that that guy just invented it. Right. Because he wanted to get paid. He, that's the so, author. He became the author of that. Of that, of that narrative, yeah. Of that narrative, yeah. Yeah. But it had nothing to do with reality. And that's a, it's, a, it, it, it's, a, it's a great example that when you have a system, and this, this is the way they, they spin these, these, these big, scary stories. They say, we have a machine that can detect something which is really, really, really dangerous to you. But you don't have the machine. And by the way, this machine can only be operated by the guys that we allow to operate it. <laughs> And they don't probably know shit about how the machine actually works. And when, the, when it gives a green light, it means this. And when it blinks a red light, it means that. And then you write that on the record. And then that record is your reality. And it's, it's so easy. It's just so that easy. And how can anybody go and say, Let's open the machine and let's see what the fuck is it actually measuring. Nobody does that. Well, yeah, it's calibrated. If you want to calibrate it, you need to ship it into our specialists and they can check that it's actually very, very accurate. <laughs> yeah. You, it all works. Like I, that. I had a, uh, a thought the other day and it was actually very fun to think this way and that is that in that Reich in that realm anything they can write anything they want because it's all fiction it's yeah. all fiction in reality they can do nothing but in that realm they can they can create any scenario they want and in that realm as the author or authority within that realm they, they write the rules. And I don't think people yeah. understand that the birth certificated character is, is a fictitious character that only exists within the fictitious realm. And you subject yeah. yourself to anything they decide as they're the author of that realm. And, and as long as you keep putting on those clothes, as long as you keep believing or convicting yourself through that character, there's, there is... Um, nothing else to do but submit. Yeah. Until you take off those so, clothes. So, um, and and the, the I like to use the word identify as 
because now all the buzz is around the digital identity thing. And if you look at the, so I took uh, identify as uh, yeah <laughs> identify as um, the um, you know when you're abroad and you need to send some government documents to another government. Um, so they need to give um, a, like a statement uh, of authenticity or apostille um, with the document from the state A saying that this is a real government document and somebody needs to sign it and then you can take it to another government and say, okay, here you go. This guy says that this is real deal. Okay? So I took... Um, when you took a document like that, and I did, um, and then you look at the statement that they give, and this one was from the population register itself. <clears throat> the statement says that we certify that this um, is an authentic extraction from the population register. However, we don't certify the truthfulness of the content. So what are they and actually doing? Yeah, see, that's the thing. The identity is worth nothing because it is nothing unless you identify as it. So that's the one thing they cannot do. They cannot link you to that unless you accept that reality. <clears throat> so that's why the identification is becoming more and more popular. They want people to continuously, continuously, you know, in every shop, <clears throat> identify as identify as using this whatever <clears throat> documents they created for that registered person so so but the, the the core the actual entry in that population register signifies at the end of the day the um the, your acceptance of your uh, limited status, your approval that you, uh, or if you identify as, they use it as evidence of you knowingly uh, limiting your inherent status. That's why they need it all the time. And I think the digital identity push was also a ripple effect of what you did. Because now they need to now they need to make sure that people are not like starting to realize that you know that that guy that paperwork that actually that population registered database entry defines how people treat me so and i don't even know who did it based on what who gave that information and of course, when you get those papers, you can see exactly who did it. The church did it, and the hospital did it. And then the state officials played dumb, saying, yeah, oh, this looks like a 
paperwork that uh, is basically a treaty. You know, it's a it's a it's a treaty because it's between states, one state subjugating, subjugating to another. You subjugating yourself to the repository, saying I don't want to use these powers directly. Because it's 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 the I've been reading lately the the Thomas Paine books, like the rights of in the rights of man. It's so it's so clearly right. described there when he says that people necessarily existed before any government structure. Government structure doesn't have any inherent authority. It has to get it from someone, from some people, because it's made by people. It's created by people. So it's a legal fiction that gets its authority from someone. Well, obviously, whoever gives that must have that power to give. Right. You cannot in give the what you place. don't have. In the right? first place. Right. In the first place, yes. Yeah. So how do they get that? And because there's new people here all the time, all of the new people who are delivered into this world are delivered here with exactly the same rights. So those rights, by definition, must be the highest rights. Because all of the guys who could have ever given those state powers to the legal structure were also delivered here the same way. The same way. Yeah. So uh, it, it cannot limit the power of the next generation because it doesn't apply. So there has to be some kind of a deposition that happens right in the beginning, and we know, uh, of course, how it happens. And this is a really... The, the, uh, the accretion. The accretion. Yeah. So, well, the accretion is me um, gaining that uh, sovereignty, gaining that sovereign territory. The bank. But the, 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 the cut is them taking it putting it in the repository and showing the paperwork they created on that process as evidence of me having given it up. So, which is not the reality. It's their interpretation of their own misleading paperwork. And um, it's easy now to point out um, how um, insane an assumption that is. Of course, you have to provide evidence because that they can say that, well, this is the only evidence we have about this, right? Do you have any other evidence? If you don't provide any other evidence, that the birth certificate is the only evidence they have. So they must work with that assumption because you don't rebut it. That's how they justify it. They say, but the problem of obviously is that nobody explained the terms in the, to begin with, but that's how they, they, their twisted mind uh, tries to justify that swindle. They say that, well, you know, we, we can only work with the evidence we have. Which brings up the idea 
of spoliated evidence. <clears throat> and yeah. and that's why, you know, during the Civil War, they, they, they brought on this, they call it a de facto military government, and then it's called the Lieber Code here. But what's interesting is Article 38 of the Lieber Code talks about that spoliated evidence. And as long as a, 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 the owner of that evidence, the original evidence, stands his ground, he'll be indemnified. Well, that's a problem because when they destroy that evidence, in m many cases at the hospital, other than what they extract for scientific use or, or, or whatever church use too, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me what they, why, what they do with it. It doesn't matter to me. Um, that spoliated evidence itself becomes evidence, just kind of like your, your uh, hearsay. The concept that something existed, something had to exist to give rise to that certificated character. Something had to exist, and yet they can't produce it because they destroyed it or they're holding it somewhere else for safekeeping. But the point is, is that the evidence by being spoliated is evidence against those that are making the claim that the birth certificate is valid. So if they can't yeah. prove the, the substance or the fundamental aspect of that paperwork, then that spoliation itself becomes evident, evidence negating their claim. It's the same yeah. thing as, as that hearsay. It only works, the evidence that they fabricate uh, works only so long as nobody asks about it and nobody reads what it actually says. And once you get the papers and you read and you think about it, it's total nonsense. It's, it's, it works as evidence of, uh, you know... A crime. Something horrible. <laughs> yeah, and, and worse. Um, Genocide. You, you, and, you know, let me ask, let me ask this. I've been having, I, every, every once in a while, I... I um, I have this thought that, you know, <clears throat> they take all, if they burn all the books and delete all the servers, um, what, and the paperwork, of course, it gets flooded or whatever, lost or whatever, <laughs> you know, like they have. Chicago fire, the London fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you, what's the, what's the only material evidence that you have? of this crime? Uh, it's self-evident. No, what's, what's the only... My material? belly button. My belly button. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why they have the dress code. <laughs> that's why they want, they want people there. In the, I'm wondering what would happen if you walked into a courtroom without a shirt. <laughs> and they look... This is material evidence because scar, you know, scar is it's a, um, can scar. be used as a, as a form of identification legally. You can say, look at this, and I'll, I'll you know, you probably know the rest, right, Judge? Hey, the amputation, the unlawful amputation of my yeah. organ. Yeah. Which does not, Here's the scar. which does not, which does not change. <laughs> See, because this is maybe a, a detail that we want to put in here. <clears throat> um, so, um, what happens at the 
I, I talked about, by the way, I, we had a, a short chat with uh, Cedric about this same thing. But, <clears throat> but um, see, what, 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 what was um, puzzling to me for a while was that the cut happens, it's an act, but the separation of the placenta happens also naturally. So <clears throat> that separation happens anyways. The, the physical material is not meant to last. It has done its function. It's evolutionary. Cut, yeah. So uh, the only thing that can survive from that, the material itself does not really matter that much because it is the rights that are associated with that property which are the valuable. That's the inheritance. It's the property rights that are attached to that property. Because and your belly button is the evidence. Your belly button is the evidence of those rights. Right. And and when uh, when the separation happens, and this is interesting also if you think about the timing, because there's a conception, how do uh, property or and rights or inheritance in general, how does it transfer? Well, it transfers through a will or through the intestate rules or through the principle of survivorship, which happens in joint estates. A joint estate where the other member of that estate dies, all of the rights of that estate vest into the survivor without the interstate rules or the will applying because it happens before they could apply. That means that all of the rights, including the rights of the maternal placenta, right. transfer to you before any paperwork can evidence anything else. So that's what they do. They ignore that principle of law of the transfer of the rights. And then they start spraying this other evidence of it not having happened, which is total nonsense. But they cannot get around this fact. It happens anyways. The moment it's severed, naturally, or by an act of someone, it already transferred the rights to the living, to the survivor. Yeah, when I look at that survivorship, years ago even, um, when you look into the, the Black's Law for the word wreck, shipwreck, wreck, or and when you understand expellatio, term expellatio, where the owner has yet to come forward and make a claim, the idea to me is that 
if you take the event of the arrival to the new world beyond the womb as a journey, and the boat itself, my biological vessel, the extra embryonic material that surrounded me, um, as something separate, then it looks like there's a survivorship. But the reality is nobody died. Nobody died. That means if nobody died, there's no survivor. I mean, because survivorship, it, it, it requires the opposing position. I, what did I survive? I didn't survive anything. I'm just here. Because of the continuity, the biological continuity from fertilization to this moment, I didn't survive anything. It's just it's, it's the contiguous nature of, of that biology, the evolutionary, the contiguous evolutionary process from fertilization to this moment. It's just all one biology. I didn't survive anything. There's only one. So there's not a, there's not a decedent and a survivor. There's only one living being. So, yeah. I mean, when you start looking at it from that perspective, you get rid of the survivorship as well, unless you take in the concept of the daughter that being the, the uterine sister, the uterine sister being the, the, the maternal placenta. Mm. Because that's a, they're looking at that like a born-alive person yeah. um, of the same mother without, a, with, without the same father. So they're looking at the sister now as, as somebody who may have died in the process. But I'm saying, like you said earlier, no. That's, that's the dowry or the land that my mom transferred to me in the womb without a middleman. Already. Yeah, already. Without a middleman. So nobody died. There is no death. There is no decedent to state. Yeah. So because it's only one. Are, There's only one biology. So they take the material, which they can plausibly say evidences sovereignty, and then they use that to create the repository. Yes. And package a new identity for you because you obviously are not you don't fit into the picture if you walk around <laughs> <the sovereign. laughs> um, and then they just bend over backwards to make everybody believe in that shit but nothing happened in reality um, nothing happened nobody, in reality no, that's no. absolutely so, true so, 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 in, and if you look at it from the the law of uh, that governs uh, like human tissues and organs and stuff, um, <clears throat> the only right that the hospital gets when they detach the placenta is they. It's not actually a right; it's an obligation to get rid of that material in the way that it doesn't jeopardize other people's health because it's, you know, biohazardous material. So they actually have an obligation to get rid of it. And using that obligation, they then um, claim the possession of it and this is how I think it happens. So first they take it as lost property so that they don't actually have to do anything else except wait. In Finland it's two months and then it becomes property of the state. 
um, the other way they can do it is actually in their uh, instruction books where they say that you have to place the placenta in a, a bio waste bag and then put a sticker on the bag which identifies the holder of the material. And the name of the holder is the department of the hospital. So that sticker is a misrepresentation. But once they slap it on it, they have a plausible claim to that material which they think represents sovereignty. Now, but but wait wait do? wait they have but but it's it's sovereignty remember this is the demise of the sovereignty because the department is for the departed so that king uh the king dies the prince dies the sovereign dies and but they the have that they well mm. <laughs> yeah it doesn't really but they have yeah. evidence of the death of the sovereign uh, uh the king has yeah. died long live the king yeah, which which gives rise to the to the repository. So the repository. The king, is abs- the king is absent. So somebody needs to take care of these powers now. So um, <clears throat> you you need to have a regency or a regency. A regency. So and they take that, and then um, what seems to happen is that they would send it. Um, to the church, because they deem that it, it's it's a born alive, um, it's a born alive, um, fully recognized human person, um, and then when the church gets the when the church gets that uh, material, so think about the process. So now they deem it to be state property and then the state grants that into the um, charitable trust where the subs where the 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 only use of those um, those assets that are put into the church charitable trust can be they can be only used for the greater good. So, so then the church takes that property, creates the trust. Then they need a name for that trust. And that's when the, the baptism ritual happens. So they call people into the church, into this baptism ritual, where the baby is symbolizing the sovereign and the waters and all that. But baby is there symbolically. The baby is not giving, getting the name. The, the mom is informing the name to the church and the church conveniently takes that as the intended name of the sovereign. And the baby is there to make the show, to symbolize that birth. And then that name is then given to the trust where the where the where that sovereignty is deposited. 
unpackaged. And in the and and here, what they've done, and I'm talking even as early as 1789, they call that trust the founding fathers. Yeah. And so the yeah. founding fathers is basically your zygotic material held in trust. Yeah, in the repository. Because in the repository, the sovereign. The sovereign. Because the sovereign appears to be not present. I always joked about that baptism where they throw the baby out with the baptismal waters. Mm. So the living baby gets tossed. Um, the firstborn gets sacrificed. But the second coming paper-driven character is born, B-O-R-N-E. Um, to that fictional realm. Yeah. And and then, you know, of course, they make it legally valid with the with the godparents witnessing all that. And, but they don't know what they're witnessing. Um, probably a lot of the... A <laughs> lot of the church people, officials, don't realize that it's been going on for ages. Uh, you know, so... Um, then None of these guys seem to get it, but except, except, you know what? I wrote the, I bought the, the archbishop. Um, he hasn't replied to my mails, but I keep on teasing him. I send him email like every other week. Um, <laughs> that's that's your, I love what you do, man. I mean, you are relentless <laughs> on on that stuff, and I'm horrible at it. I'm I, I'm I'm, hap, I'm so happenstance and scattered, but the beautiful the beautiful thing is, like I said, if I had only one man standing with me, you're the only guy I would call upon. <laughs> well, I can I I'll say the same thing. I can say the same thing easily. You know what you talked about? Um, you know, um, you having discussions with Jordan, and how much you enjoyed that. Um, I I have the same feeling. You know, you this the amount of knowledge and the meaning of it is so profound that I, I, I don't know how to thank you. I don't know what to I was, I, I, I was so stoked, and I tell people this all the time, and you've heard it before, but, you know, I mean, when I first got started in this 13, 14 years ago, it was amazing. By the way, I got started just, most people don't realize it, but I got started, um, I just launched a golf company down at the PGA show in Orlando, Florida in, in December or January of 2008. I had a new golf product um, that was in the top three new products that year, and it was called Squared Away. Squared Away was an alignment tool that actually taught a default position for golf alignment to target. And so, I mean, I worked on it for like seven, eight years, Brought it to brought it to the PGA show. Top three new products. Um, the, the the on the driving range, the pros couldn't even believe how it worked. You know, they didn't even have to look at the target. Imagine that. Imagine not having to look at a target and hitting the target. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, what happened was is I learned through that patent product uh, process that I didn't own mm-hmm. the name, my name. Mm-hmm. I didn't own my name. The attorneys said a few things that <laughs> caught my ear, and I went, "Holy shit! I don't know if I don't own my name, I don't own the company." <laughs> and so th- that's when I, I I did I pulled an Ayn Rand, 
and said, I'm done as a producer. I will never produce in this system again. I walked away yeah. from the company. And by the way, I did have people calling on me from Callaway Golf thinking about licensing my product. I would have been maybe a multimillionaire, potentially a billionaire. But I walked away from everything because I, I wanted to pursue the truth of that problem that I didn't own my own name. That's how I got started. But anyway, when, when, when I got started, some of the fir- earliest stuff I remember was sitting down in front of the TV and putting a CD in and, and listening to Jordan Maxwell, um, mm-hmm. who'd already been at it for 40 years. Now, what's funny is I thought, how could he know this? Wow, how could he know this? And so then here, fast forward eight years later, nine years later, and I'm sitting having coffee at Frank's house out in uh, Flagstaff, Arizona. And um, Frank flew me in because Jordan was living with him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm sitting there having coffee with, Jordan, or with Frank at 7 o'clock in the morning in my pajamas. And out of his bedroom door, out of that bedroom door down the hall, walks Jordan. And, and we meet in our pajamas. <laughs> How cool is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, so the guy that got me started pretty much from the beginning, I'm meeting one of my mentors or heroes at the time. And, and by the, we, I was there for, I don't know, three weeks or something like that. And, and Jordan, we'd sit out there on the porch at night and we'd just talk. I mean, this was just mm-hmm. two friends at, at the end of the day. And I remember him saying, you know what? You're taking what I've learned into the stratosphere. You're, you, what, you, what you're doing is something even I don't understand. Imagine that conversation. But there's one book that he led me to that completely busted everything open, and it was Fire in the Minds of Men. Yeah, he, he, that was James Billington. Yeah, he said, you read that book, and there's going to be stuff in there that you can see that I can't. And that's when I realized the birthday is a revolutionary war. Yeah. You know what? That's, that's when I saw it. Um, I listen to his materials a lot also. I like I started I found his stuff like 20 years ago. But I couldn't I I listened to it because I there was something appealing, something interesting and I I like to, you know, when I read stuff, I I don't mind reading stuff that I don't understand or listening to stuff that I don't understand and I can keep on doing that for long periods of time. And it's funny because some of the stuff, I didn't get it, but I, I got it later. But in a way, I also was very long time ago listening to his stuff and then, you know, a bunch of other, other people as well. Um, and <clears throat> it sort of um, started the, the interest, like, like the, the curiousness of, you know, there's something that doesn't fit here. And it also, at the same time, made it very, very boring to be doing all the normal stuff. Because you're like, <laughs> you, you know, if you, you can go to a normal job and do what you need to do in two hours and spend the rest of the day thinking about something that actually matters. You know, so these are, it's amazing. It It really... But it requires something, I don't know, like some, it requires maybe some, um, maybe some uh, uh, elements from your 
past experiences that make this interesting and relevant. And, you know, you've described a lot of stuff um, that has happened to you and led, led you pursuing these things. But there is so much. And that book, you know, that book, um, which basically talks about communism, is... Uh, it's it's it has a it has such a meaning to me because you know that stuff it happened um, you know what uh, uh, it happened all you know like the when they had that revolution there in Russia and how Finland yeah. was kind of part of all of that you know those happenings it's a small place you know uh, people are. There are people who were part of that, you know, and uh, all of that nonsense that happened. And it's very tangible to read it, to read about how they traveled through Sweden and Finland, you know, with their train and went there and started the revolution. And, you know, all these ideas, of course, the, the ideas uh, that happened be- before that in France and, and all that. But it, 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 it's so concrete that um, it really is a book that, uh, you know, touches. Um, when, when you can see what they're actually talking about, it's crazy. And it, it created, a, it, for me, it was basically also, it's not, it's not, of course, the only book, but it was one of those books that really made this concrete in the way that this is not just another, um, you know, theory that we're looking into. This is real stuff. We're looking at reality here. And that brings with it, for me at least, a massive sense of duty. You know? It's like if if I'm here and I know that I know this stuff now, I can't drop it. Right. No. No, I, I, I got it. I can't either. I can't walk away from it. I cannot walk away. It would be an insult to everybody. You know. Well, and that maybe that's it. Maybe that's what it was, though. Um, I joke about the fact that I don't. I don't have the pretend gene. I, I don't have the ability to pretend. I love being entertained. Mm-hmm. I love movies. I love books. I love all that stuff for entertainment purposes, but I don't like to be lied to. I don't like to be misled. I'd, and I really hate yeah. drama. I hate pretending. I can't pretend. So the truth to me is so simple. And, and by the way, the truth is actually the most exciting thing because you can, you can participate and, and, and have outcomes, outcomes that you want when, when you're willing to do something on, at, a, at the level of truth. But if there is a fictitious realm that places all of these impediments in, 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 your, in your travels, in your journey, where, and they're all fictional impediments, you know, where, where you're asking permission mm. to do this or you're, you're trying to yeah. certify yourself for that, fuck that. Reality is really yeah. fun. But the fiction is boring. It's I don't need these low IQ uh, 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 folks out there telling me that I I don't qualify. 
We're talking <laughs> about the lowest common denominator here. Yeah. I, I'm, you laugh, I, become, but you know what I, I mean. I know, I know, I know, because <laughs> it's, 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 I'm totally allergic to that. It's like, it's so hard to participate in any, any of that um, anymore. Because you get into the, I say, you, you, I don't even want to talk about it. You listen to the same, <laughs> same shit, same story, same jokes, same like phrases. People watch the same movies, and then they talk about like this is one thing. And they've showed there's this uh, classic Finnish movie about the Winter War with Russians against Russians, um, which they've shown every year for like 50 years in a row, I don't know, 40 years, something like that, on TV, on the, on the Independence Day of the Regency. And everybody, um, everybody's view of history is that movie. Everybody has think, thinks about it exactly at the same way because they all watch that fucking movie over and over and over again. It defines the people. And that's the reality that they live in. It's, it's, it's crazy. And then if you, start, if you say anything that is like, okay, well, that's a nice narrative. Like, I wonder what really happened. You know, people would get angry. It's um, it's frustrating when it becomes clear, but at the same time, it's like to me, it's like you you have to. I don't think they are genuinely against um, the truth. You know, some people are. Some people are pathological liars, and they fucking push this narrative, and that's what they are paid for, and that's what they are told to do. And they cannot do anything else. And I actually suspect that some of those guys are very sorry for themselves that they made that choice. Because they start to realize over the years that they are fucking in handcuffs in everything they do. Even if they're smart and want to do stuff, they are being told what to do. Right. So some of those people are sour. Very, very sour. Um, and sorry. Um and some of the people just never thought about it. Like they never open their mind. Um, and, and it's even worse, you know. I, 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 I learned this stuff because I read it. I, I followed all this English. You know, people in English language, you can find these materials and all the law books and everything. But you find nothing in Finnish. You cannot learn this in Finnish. But once you learn it, you can just read the statutes and you can see this all over the place because the words and the terms are interchangeable. They are compatible right. between different countries. You know when I found that EU term bank, which is online? Where you yeah. can, that's a great example. They codified these terms so that you can just go to that term bank, write Born Alive, and you can see in all European languages what is the specific term that they use in their paperwork 
to depose people. It's amazing. That tells it all. They had to make it compatible with each uh, other countries. But the problem is, when you have small language area like Finland, and everybody reads like two newspapers, <laughs> and watches, watches two different uh, TV channels all day long, then they are totally boxed in. That's horrible shit. Nobody can think. You know, the, the ones who think that they are intellectually above everybody else, read FT. You know? That's, that's the kind of soup they are in. So, what, what I mean, Finland's not big. No, I mean, as far as population. No, it's really small. And that's another thing. You know, you have countries like, you know, Iceland, where you have like 300,000 people. You have to have people there. Like, how quickly does information like this spread when it really gets out there? It has to happen. Um, you know, one thing that I wanted to, I forgot to say earlier, now that I mentioned Iceland, I remembered it. <clears throat> when you talk about United States, as you did earlier, I talk about um, Vikings. So basically, V in Swedish means we. Um, and I think that's a concept that has been um, deliberately changed to mean something else than what it actually meant before. So it, it, we kings would mean exactly what we're talking about. People who know their true capacity. And it's we. It's not one. It's all of us. We. All of us. Yeah. <clears throat> so that describes the knowledge that people used to have of the fact that you cannot have any different capacities here. If somebody claims that, you know, that's total BS. You know, okay, maybe you have some horrible criminals that should be put in chains and they're, you know, detained for a while or something else. But in terms of capacity, in terms of inherent rights, it's the kings. Um, and and um, if you look at, like, if you look at this one really interesting detail about this in on the on the I found it on the website of the Swedish church and they talk about their history and in the very early history before the church was established there's a little mention that uh, before the church arrived uh, to Sweden it was governed by independent chieftain kings. And they don't say much anything more about it. But I think it's, <laughs> it's exactly what it is. It's people who knew. It's like a bunch of people who know their true status, who agree between themselves if somebody needs to delegate some powers to someone else temporarily 
And that's the type of... To, to go speak for the group to the town yeah. next door. Correct. And that would be a place governed by independent chieftain kings that are independent of the church also because we don't have church people uh, walking around and telling you what to think about it or claiming authority well, over them. I think that when they when they devised or created the duality of church and state, when in in fact, in reality, there is no separation of church and state biologically. There yeah, isn't. There, there isn't. But, but, and and that, that's also, let me just say, that's also evidenced by the fact that the monarch is ahead of the church as well. Right. And and that's where I think here's here's the whole the whole situation for me. Um I think that over the the centuries the fact that most people wanted to defer their sovereignty and become the common man so to speak uh I don't think that's possible. In fact, the other day when I was looking up the concept of, of the common and, and all that, when, when I got to the word, and this was just two days ago, three days ago by now, the idea of having that, um, the, the father's, uh, what was the word I used earlier? Started with a D. Dowry? No. What what, what are you referring no, to? I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll think of it in a second. But the the um, dignity. I'm sorry, dignity. Dignity. Yeah. The dignity itself. That's 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 the most important thing. But what happens is we don't understand that there's only one rule. There is actually only one law, one rule, and that's trespass. That's it. There isn't anything else. What I think that they've done is they've figured out that most people choose to relinquish their dignity and bow down to um, a collective position and not take responsibility for their own existence. Again, I, I use the squirrel all the time when I'm looking out my window and I mm. see the squirrel doing everything it needs to do for itself to survive until tomorrow. Um, mm. That's the law of nature. And ultimately, we are all animals, but with a higher order consciousness. And that higher order consciousness allows us to do things that um, and make choices or decisions. Most people don't want to do that anymore. They want to be yeah. told what to do. They want to collect a check at the end of the day. And so they have given up their sovereignty. And, their will, and willfully, I should add. Um, but those people that have given up their sovereignty also are now demanding that the producers or those that are sovereign supply them with all their shelter, with all their food, with everything else. So I think that over the decades, over the centuries, the people that understood sovereignty at this level, they realized there's going to be um, those that need to be provided for. So we're going to find out, we're going to create a place for them. And that's this fiction. Mm -hmm. The fiction is that place. But in reality, to me, there is only one rule of law, and that is trespass. And trespass actually has everything in it you could possibly need. My kingdom began at fertilization. My kingdom began at fertilization, and it will end. My kingdom will end 
um, with my demise upon my last breath. Now, that being said, within my kingdom, everything I produce is part of my kingdom. So my son, uh, Kiefer Alexander James Kallenbach, my son Kiefer, um, ultimately is my son. And I should, as the king, be able to give him everything I've created within my own kingdom. But what they did, and, and you're better schooled at this than I am, um, because the church has had taken advantage of perpetuity, when, when, what they did and got everybody to believe was that perpetuities were a bad thing. So they created a law against perpetuities. And and then the only one the only way they could pass on to their sons was create this 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 uh ability to have agency over a trust account because it removed it from ownership. It removed my kingdom as a king from ownership. So it, it, it allowed me to pass on to my son, if I knew how to do it, uh, it allowed me to pass on to my son my kingdom. Now, in nature, it would have happened naturally. But they got, when they brought up the law against perpetuities, and they blamed it on the church, they said the church has too much power, so we're going to knock down the perpetuities. What they really were doing was they were removing the, the ability for your family, your son, your, that, that inheritable, um, and I'm going to use the word, in, the inheritable holy grail. They made it impossible to inherit from the Father um, directly. Yes. And you they, and they, you and they created a circuity. They created a middleman that you had to go mm-hmm. through or bend a knee to in order to receive yeah. what was rightfully yours from your own father or the zygote. I, by the way, when I say father, I'm speaking zygote. Yeah. 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 Which because is a product of too- mom and dad. Because there's two problem they two problems they have with that. One is that every one of us has that, uh, so you don't need to inherit it from your biological parents. Um, but I think it's inherent. Yes, it's inherent. In, inherent. It's inherent. Inherent. Yeah, inherent is a huge word, um, um, and it's also intrinsic, and that's how the intrinsic value of money. That's the same thing. Where it, where does it come from? The intrinsic value from the organ. Um, anyways, the, um, what I was saying is that, but they also needed a mechanism, probably, to pass on that status in these families from the biological father to the next generation. Um, he, because I'm pretty sure not everybody will get this. So they needed, in order to keep that power, they needed to make sure that it can be passed down the family line without um, the risk that somebody doesn't get it and cannot prove it by himself. So they needed to package it and then they needed to create a way to pass it as um, inheritance in some other way. So um, you need to pass the evidence in your will. And that was something I was researching quite a while. 
So the question was, originally, how does a king become a king? But obviously, that that question um, is an empty question because everybody has that inherently. But if you don't know that, then every, every the only thing these guys say about it is that, well, I got it from my ancestors. I got it from my father or parents. I inherited the crown, right? So what they do is that they use a substitute property, which is um, another legal trick. So you can say that the property which I'm intending to give to you, which includes the rights, is, uh, is not around anymore. It was destroyed, uh, unfortunately, burned probably in a crematorium somewhere. Um, however, I can give you this other property, whatever it is, let's say it's a scepter or a crown, a physical crown, which symbolizes that property which I intend to give to you and the powers that go with it. And that's how they do it. So they would say that I inherited that and that's then evidence of these powers and maybe the guy who got them doesn't even know how, where they originated from but it's still a valid inheritance for someone who doesn't get it. I think that's a, a mechanism that seems to be in use here. <clears throat> I, I, I completely agree. And, and again, I think the biology itself, that's, that's why I lean so heavily on the biology, and I don't think with all of their machinations, I don't think they can get around the truth of the matter. Because, and my favorite thing, I mean, seriously, I, I almost peed myself when, when I thought about the belly button. Because that alone evidences um, the, a, a, an end, uh, one terminal end, to that umbilical cord. It's, it evidences a terminal end because we already know what's on the other end of that umbilical cord. Yeah. And that is the placenta, the fetal-maternal placenta. So we already know, I mean, and, and this is where the spoliation comes in. You say, listen, there was something attached to this. And, yeah. and since that attachment, it was amputated and destroyed in most cases. Mm-hmm. So until they produce that, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna dig up my mom. I'm not gonna dig up my dad. Because you're the one bringing the claim by by giving yeah. uh, 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 credibility to that piece of paper. You're the one bringing the claim or the yeah, cause. Their claim. Their claim. So yeah, that's their claim. And so I don't think they can get past the belly button. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I mean, look at how cannot, simple that they, is. Yeah, and it's material evidence, <laughs> which, 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 which they cannot um, alter. <laughs> they cannot alter it. So they're, they're, they're um, alter, 
alternative um, their alternative alternative certificated mm. character cannot exist if I do. And that yeah. that there it is right there. Logically, there can't be two of me. Even though they're trying to get people to agree <laughs> in what is it, the Heisenberg principle or something? Or I mean they're trying to get people to acknowledge you can be in two places at once. They call it time yeah. travel. They call I mean, but yeah. you can't. That's why also in all of those stories where you can never confront yourself in any of these time travel situations because somebody has to disappear. Mm-hmm. You can't both exist at the same moment in time. It's not a possibility. So it, it, it collapses. It, it collapses their um, differential between that September 19th, 1960 at 3.50 a.m. birth certificated person and this present moment. I don't care what you call it. You might, might call it December whatever, 2022. You might even use a, uh, a term from a different calendar in the year 5782 mm. or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. The yeah. point is is that none of those calendars are valid. They're all fictions. And this present moment is the only place reality exists, and this belly button negates all of their fictitious jurisdictions. <laughs> and they, they can't do anything. Even if all the paperwork is gone, you still have that evidence. You can't, you can't get they, Yeah, the paper can burn. All of the, their entire two-dimensional realm can disappear completely, but I still have a belly button. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I, I seriously, I almost peed myself when you said the belly button's the evidence. Oh, my God, how easy is that? I'm so, I'm sorry, sir. Does, does that paperwork? Um, I think it evidences a crime. The paperwork evidences a crime because what used to be attached here was destroyed by you people. <laughs> it's amazing how people want to imagine all these. Uh, you know, sci-fi, whatever things, because they want something more. They want something more exciting in their lives, and they dream about those things, whatever time travel stuff. But the reality is a lot more interesting and exciting, <laughs> and they have the evidence of it in front of their or under their nose, actually. <laughs> because that's where the belly button is. Um. <laughs> it's also, by the way, it also is the point at which the spirit entered this body. So while I was yeah. in the womb, mom, mom was breathing for me, and that that spirit, that breath, was transferred to the fetal, the, the embryo slash fetus in the womb. But when the umbilical cord traversed or crossed over uh, uh, through the birth canal, through the vagina, into this new realm outside beyond the womb, that same breath was, was straddling those, the world of the unborn and born until I took my own breath. The moment I took my own breath, I was beyond the mother. I was outside of the mother's, the, the need for the mother or the church, what they're calling the church. I don't need the help of the public or the mother anymore because I'm breathing on my own. I have God. I, I'm actually, you know, breathing God myself now. But yeah. even in the womb, I had God in me, but only through the ventilator called mother. <laughs> yeah. 
That was a very yeah. specific term I chose there, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. I listened to it a few times. I've spent so much time on your recordings, you wouldn't believe. I even listened I'm, to everything you had on that previous site you had, like all of the old music. site. Yeah, I went through it all. It there, took me like is, a year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, this was a hell of a journey even for me, but I, all of a sudden it comes down to one simple fact, and it's called fertilization. And the most amazing thing of all, it really is that simple. All of these dances, all the tunes that people are dancing to make no sense to me anymore because it's too easy. It's too easy now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I thank God every day for you for one reason. When you showed up after all that time, all that investigation, all that uh, – uh, time you put in i mean you show up and you already have a fairly good grasp of what's going on i mean i still learn every day i wake up every day with a new idea going holy crap i can't believe this but it always goes back to the same place no matter what i'm thinking it goes back to that same beginning and Mm -hmm. i i definitely have to say this again because it was one of the greatest moments of my life um this life uh was you know a couple months back when i had that that weird I call it a dream. I'm not sure what it was, but that weird download um, of that time in the womb and the importance of that journey, that, that 280 days in the womb. I woke up sobbing because to me, I recognized the importance of what occurred in that water-based realm, the, 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 the uh, unborn realm. And that was the most amazing experience of my life. And if, if, that's the thing that I think I was supposed to realize. I think I was supposed to realize that womb-based time as the most important part of this journey because once we come out here, you know, we're subjected to a, a whole lot of nonsense. Mm. But in there, um, it was pure nature. And it was I, – I like to add this so people understand where I'm coming from. You have this incredible intelligently designed vessel or intelligently designed arc, i.e. the the zygote, but Mm -hmm. it is – so you have the intelligent design that most people would say is godly, but it is evolutionary in its nature. So from a single cell to a trillion cell entity outside the womb, it's all one biology. You can't get any more intelligent than that. Yeah. It's, it worked it, in the water and it works out of the water. <laughs> you have to you you have to use it and um you know you 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 were thinking about that um question of you know what do we learn and why do we learn this stuff and how is it um and I've I've had these speculations uh about um why 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 did it come to be that I know this stuff and uh, one one sort of funny way I like to think about it is that is the idea that uh, you choose before you before your memories um, let's say started from uh, almost zero or before the let's say before the biological vessel is capable of tapping into and processing the knowledge 
that that you have are you choosing the life you want to live are you selecting the family you want to be part of because you know before that that is the type of environment that will bring me closer to the truth I've been thinking about it because I I told you earlier that I have this like insane amount of um, experiences and uh, just details um, of what somebody said or did or what happened that I can remember for some reason and I didn't know the meaning of them, but they have gradually become extremely important and meaningful. And I'm almost like thinking that this, I could not have gained this knowledge without those experiences that I went through not realizing what happened because they were preparing um, or they put into context these little bits and pieces when I found them. It's, um, you know, we can't prove any of this, but it's a nice way to think about it. <laughs> um, because, you know, sometimes it's pretty hard and dark. Uh, but um, but I think the question is, it, it, we, nobody can deny that this, you know what the, the evidence we have now is so good um and when you look at it from when you accept the reality as it is um, you know what but what what are you left with i'm i'm left with a with a sense of duty and thankfulness you know it's more interesting that it, I, it's, it's it's more interesting ride that I that I thought it would be. It is, it is, and I'm I'm probably. I mean, I my life was I, I I'll say tumultuous, um, meaning that I never I never ever chose to participate realistically in that world. I've all, I always thought of a way to not participate in that securitized realm because to me it didn't make sense. Nobody owed me anything. I don't want anything from you. If I get anywhere in life, it's going to be because of my own efforts. And the problem is, is that's not that world. That world makes you a beggar. That makes yeah. you, that world makes you a prostitute. It it forces you into a situation where you have to do what others do in order to to be looked at as you know um, acceptable. I've never been acceptable. I never wanted to be accepted. <laughs> Again, think about this. I mean, yeah. if you look at everybody and you think everybody is worthless, do I want to be accepted by the worthless? That's that old saying. I'm, I'm going to use that. I've never been acceptable. 
um, it, it truly is. When I, over the years, you know, you hear these terms and you don't know what they mean until you know what they mean. Mm. And and my, one of my favorite was actually from an old Star Trek, but it wasn't from a Star Trek. It was a quote from Star Trek for me is that in an insane society, the sane man would appear insane. That's yeah. how it's always felt to me. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is nuts. And the sad part is, is I looked like I was nuts because I was I wouldn't participate. I never wanted to go get a job, a traditional job. I didn't care about Social Security. I wasn't worried about a retirement program. I didn't give a rat's ass about any of that shit everybody else bought. I, don't, I never yeah. bought into their story. Let me, let me say it a different way. I never bought into his story. Mm. I don't yeah. buy history. I'm not interested in history. I've never participated in history. And I never will participate in history because I am fully present. I, as a present living being, can never actually participate in history. They're mutually exclusive realms. The present is for the living, the past is for the dead or the the decedent. I can't access it without a medium. And that's what the Bar Association actually is. It's a medium. It allow, They're the ones that put the, the silver in your eyeballs and, and, and take you on a raft across the River Styx. Yeah. I, and again, I don't even have any, anything against any of these people for doing what they do. I don't, it's okay. But I, I, I don't need to access the world of the dead because mm. everything I've done in the present is still present <laughs> until yeah. I have died. So even 50 years ago is still part of my presence until I'm past. So if I created something 50 years ago, it's mine. It's not in the past. It's still in my presence. Mm. People don't understand that as long as I'm breathing, everything I've done for the last 62 plus years is all in the present until I have passed. So I don't need to access the past because everything that I've earned be it intellectual, uh, physical, it doesn't matter, genetic, it's all still present. I don't need somebody's help to get into the past because everything I own is in the present, which why living men don't need trust. But they got people to believe in trust because that's the world that exists for the decedent estate. That's where all the res is located, for the decedent estate. So you have to have an intermediary, somebody that can, can reconnect you, reconnect you, a record, somebody that can record you to that past so you can access that bank over mm-hmm. there where all your money's located in the trust. When in fact, all my presence, the truth of the matter says, I don't need your help. I don't need a middleman. I don't need administration. I'm not broken. Mm-hmm. I'm not unhealthy. I'm whole. And as long as I'm breathing, as long as I know my godly origin, I don't need your help. Yeah. And that's kind of I, the, that's, actually, that's where I'm stuck. That, that's that's how I I I, I uh, would put it. Also, it's uh, I'm I'm totally not interested in any offers anymore um any like 
you know, promises of some kind of security net for anything. It's totally BS. It's all based on the subjugation, so it doesn't. It's not relevant. It's I'm fine um, accepting the reality that that it there is no mechanism like that in nature. So it's not for me. And and I will say this: um, there there there. Their system is based upon putting Humpty Dumpty back together again, and they call it perfection. Perfection is where they put their fictitious past with the living presence, which gives energy to that system. Here's the problem. We, most people, not we, because not me, um, they buy into the idea that nobody's perfect. And you've heard me say this before. I disagree. Everybody is perfect from fertilization. Until the Procrustean cut, everybody's perfect. But everybody becomes defective upon that cut, and it's the, def- the defective nature of man that makes everybody equal. It's The mm-hmm. equality is actually built upon the defect itself. Yeah. That's what makes everybody equal is the cut. Well, I'm saying that if everybody's perfect from the beginning, which is the lowercase g genesis, if everybody's perfect, then nobody, I mean, and by the way, everybody is, because I want you to tell me, um, w- within your 46 chromosome b- biological estate, which version of your 46 chromosome biological estate is better than you? Mm-hmm. None, because there's only one. That's called peerless. Yeah. You have no peers. As the only yeah. and as the perfect, you have no peers. So my question to everybody is, how can they assemble a court, a court of your peers when there are none? Yeah, yeah, that's what's that's that's the. But uh, the, but you can turn that also around uh, by saying that I will not. I'm not. You know that 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 type of a jury doesn't have uh, jurisdiction because it's not my peers. It's not my peers. Well, I think so that you and I should um, talk more often. <laughs> I, I, I think so too. This is this is um, this has been a huge call. Um, I I, uh, I agree. If you if you have the time, I I'm uh, I'm, I'm very happy to to continue these discussions. I think we have a lot of good uh, topics, and also, you know, some things I. I we we should we should look at some specific topics and um, you know hack them um, make sense of how they work uh, just just to get an idea how to uh, what what how, how can we where can we poke next I was thinking of asking you who should I who do you think I should <laughs> send an email to next because. I'm kind of um, going uh, with the flow with that. I, I get a lot of ideas, and I usually, if I find something interesting, I'll just go and find some contact details and then just send. Um, so um, do you have any anything in mind? I, I, I am. Because of your the level that you write at, I'm kind of curious. Have you ever... 
ever sent an email off to the president of the International Court of Justice? Yeah. What, I what, actually and you got sent no it. Oh, sorry. I didn't send it to her. I sent it to the registrar. The registrar of that court. He's the guy who is supposed right. to keep the record of that court. Yeah, and, and that's the beauty of what you're doing is you're dealing with the people that are dealing with the records, the record. Yeah. Um, but but there's a face to those people ultimately, and that face happens to be the president of that court. And yeah. I can yeah, again, that's a we, good point. I never I never did that, but I can send you what I sent to the the registrar, and that's a pretty heavy one. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I imagine it is. <laughs> How about since since this since what they're dealing with is is the the uh, the defective um, and the, the defective again on two levels, your your defective in your deficiency because of the cut and your defective because of the overage or the surplus uh, due to the cut. Um, did you ever send anything to the World Health Organization? Yeah, um, nothing. <laughs> uh, it was kind of. It's been kind of uh, like ad hoc. Um, I they they were actually asking for some public opinions uh, regarding some of these decisions that they were making, and I sent them a couple of um, opinions. <laughs> but um, well, I I can, I can be more specific and send it to the to you know like to, uh, like address it to to the head of that organization well here's well. here's because you've done so much work even with the, the catholic church or the church itself here's what's interesting to me the united nations people don't yeah, realize I, the I, united nations the united yeah, nations sorry. is actually they're only dealing with um when they say united nations they're talking about christian nations hmm. the united nations is is the international the, the the location where all of these ecumenical um associations occur and so this is christendom mm. it's christian you know you know what's most annoying with these guys, those guys their own treaties clearly say that statehood does not depend on recognition of anybody else and they still but that but isn't that true isn't that true i mean if you're if you're dealing yeah, at the self-evident level yeah but they use that they um the the recognition is actually a mechanism that they created to give the de facto recognition to states that don't actually that cannot prove a de jure statehood so they went around that. This is a mechanism by which they were able to create at will these regencies and then go around the table, get the recognition of it, and get sort of evidence that these are uh, that these are acceptable by the by other states as uh, having attained statehood without those guys needing to prove how did they get that status 
So that's how it works. They invented that mechanism. But the only thing it provides is basically a de facto uh, statehood. Right, and but remember... The jury statehood in their own papers states clearly that it doesn't require... Why would it require? It wouldn't be statehood if it required recognition. It Remember, no. remember what happened, though. They created the interstate position, the state between the cut ends, you know, where, mm. where one terminal end was the fetus and one new beginning was the, the uh, indigenous person on the land outside of the womb. In between those two cut ends is interstate. And that mm. interstate position, which, again, is where that birth certificated <laughs> person falls, is statelessness. And that's 1954. Yeah. So, and, and again, 1954 was also the year that the Bar Association became full-blown, <clears throat> and, and the, the Bar yeah. Association is acting on these stateless persons, ultimately, through these, this commercial uh, franchise citizenship. What I'm getting at yeah. is statelessness was what they created through the cut, and then they created a state for the stateless persons, or the interstate yeah. position, and so they have to recognize, recognize... <laughs> What, what actually exists in and of itself, but, but since nobody came forward and became the substance of that person, all they, mm. have, all they have are paper, paper dolls, paper dolls or paper versions yes. or um, uh, 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 alternatives, alternatives um, yeah. that and, have been reduced uh, to paper. And the house of... Recognized. House because yeah, in the House of Cards. Do you have Black's, Black's Law uh, first? Uh, I do. Um, I, I No, actually, I don't. don't I had to... Black's Law. I have, hmm. I have the second second through seven in hard copy here. Um, the first I had to give back to the owner of the first when I, I had it for a couple of years, but I don't anymore. Okay. Except uh, I'm online. not sure if I it's have in Black... the second... I have, um, yeah, the online version, I have one, but it's not, it doesn't have all the pages. I have a physical. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to go get um, the second. What, what, what term are you looking at? Uh, we, don't, we, we don't need to get into it because I think I need to uh, start wrapping up here for this call soon. What time is but, it? Uh, what time is it for you? But it's... Uh, um, like, uh, oh wow! I think it's in. I think it's in government. Let's go to government. <laughs> Heirloom. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, here we go. The heirloom, by the way, is the motherland. That's that's the dowry from yeah. mother, the matrilineal line. That's the heirloom. And, and immemorial possession, um, which I used in my letter to the to the I, president. I recognize that. You know what happened? <laughs> you know what happened? I used the the Finnish. So I went to the official 
uh, dictionary, the government dictionary, um, the translation, and I put in a memorial position. And it gave me a Finnish word that I never heard before. And I used that in the letter to the president. Two weeks later, that term was not no longer in that. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I took screenshots. I took screenshots of it. It, it. it was amazing. They just like somebody realized what's happening. George Orwell. They just they <laughs> disappeared that history just like that. Yes, I like that. So you have. I don't know if you have it in the second, but uh, the first page five four four. You have government de facto, and page. 545, you have government de jure. And those two are not written as they are in the first one. Um, in the later ones, I'm just saying that the de facto one is a, is a little bit of it. It's a, like a pretty lengthy description, but here's a good one. It's deemed unlawful or deemed wrongful or unjust, which nevertheless receives presently habitual obedience from the bulk of the community. And that's what we're in. I think the key word there, just an and, FYI. And then, sorry? The key word to what I just heard is the word unjust because yes. once you recognize where the word just mm -hmm. takes you you'll realize that's that's the the dignity of the father yeah and then let me contrast that to the de jure true and lawful government a government established according to the constitution of the state and lawfully entitled to recognition and supremacy and the administration of the state, but which is actually cut off from power or control. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it says oh, that. Yes. Yeah. Cut off. So, yeah. So what we're talking about here is the two forms, where one is basically habitual obedience to the regency, and the other one is cut off. But legitimate. What's the? I mean, and I already, you don't have to go into it. But what is the definition of habit? <laughs> uh, <laughs> habit. There's a key word right there. Habitual habit. Yeah. Yeah. So what? Let's, uh, let's just. Um, yeah. Let's keep in touch. Go do your thing. I, I actually have to do one more reversion or revision, I should say. Uh, the, the editor just sent me something that I have to go over mm. and get oh, the, the publisher, the, the book. And by the way, the book it actually has a title. It's, it's called Right of Way um, at this point. <laughs> nice. The other yeah. book, uh, Darwin Meets God, is a different book altogether. But, and I'll leave you with this. I, people don't re realize it, but I think it was – New Word Order call number 46, The Clot of Dirt. Mm -hmm. That call, even for me, when I listened to it a hundred times, 
I, I kept going back to the public. The public, I, I realized, was based upon the dowry from mother. That's the, that's the public. And the fact that we are landlocked, when, when my biology falls to the ground, I'm landlocked. And so if I don't have a right-of-way to move from that position, I'm stuck in my own, and I mean this, in my own cell. It becomes a prison that I can't, I can't move from if I don't have a right-of-way. Um, mm. That right-of-way across the motherland is the umbilical cord. If, I, if, I, if that umbilical cord is cut off, um, I lose the ability to exit into the new world and I'm stuck inside mother, so to speak. That's what they've done is they've eliminated, they, they, they eliminated our ability to claim a right-of-way across the motherland, i.e. earth, which then requires licensing, certificates, and all that nonsense uh, in the public. Mm. The true right-of-way was granted by mother in the womb, and we don't need any permission from anybody any third-party, third-person, um, to move freely across the surface of the earth or the earth itself. That's why that, that clot of dirt, um, number 46, was so important because it evidences the heirloom that, that stays with the estate. It stays with the estate that grants us directly from mom without a third person, without a third party, without um, a middleman. And that includes the middleman of the church, the middleman of the state, or any Jesus character born to, to some other author. So that's what I'm getting at. That's what the book ultimately is. It's me. It's the witness, me becoming the witness. And that book is actually going to be able to, I believe, be used in court cases using my words, that narrative, as a witness to the truth. Mm -hmm. That's what I think it's going to become. Ultimately, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna order them as soon as they are available. <laughs> a number of them. Um, by the way, check out. Um, I sent you an, an email. Uh, okay. Like an hour and a half ago, <laughs> while we were speaking. <laughs> but it's a, but it's um, it's a sculpture called placenta. You you you'll get it right away. Oh well. Can you see that? Uh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll look at it. Uh, give me, give me a second. I, I'm actually upstairs right now. I'm not six feet under. Ah. Okay, you cannot. <laughs> you can look at it later. You can look at it later. Okay. But okay. it's uh, it's pretty amazing. I just put. I, I just send you the link. Um, well, my friend, let's 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 not you. let more than a couple weeks at a time go past because I yeah. I really really need these. I you and I I have a funny feeling um, are going to be able to do some things uh, together that maybe nobody else can do. Maybe yeah. nobody else can do. So, man, I got goosebumps yeah. even talking to you. Likewise. <laughs> Likewise. I think it's uh, all right, man. Good. This was excellent. Thank you so much, and um, well, we'll we'll email about the next next one, right? Okay. Timing. All right, man. Okay. And I'm gonna okay. when I say this, I mean it. I love you, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> love you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. We'll talk. We'll talk soon. Talk to you later. Yeah. Have, have a great day. Yes. Okay. You too. Bye. Uh, bye.